Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always. Oh, you motherfuckers. <laughs> Keenan <laughs> can't be joining us just yet. Keenan will be here a bit later. But joined as always by Sean Shute and Jack Harper. The matchup we'll be getting into today, 2001's Training Day versus 2018's Mission Impossible Fallout. Said that the wrong way around. Mission Impossible Fallout against 2001's Training Day. How is everyone doing? Very well. Dangerously well. Couldn't quite pull off uh, Pete Denzel, but that's why he's an Oscar winner. <laughs> and I'm uh, sat in my bedroom, not able to practice that in case my mum hears me. So, <laughs> a bit different. Um, Tom Cruise for the second week in a row. Can he make it two for two is another big question. And then we've got more Denzel next week. So the way the cards have fallen, couldn't have gone much smoother. What's next week? We've got uh, the Equalizer against Die Hard with a Vengeance next week. Oh, sheesh. So if you didn't get much sleep this week, two films are just as long next week. <laughs> so there we go. Mission Impossible Fallout then. Had either of you two seen this film prior to this week? Uh, Mission Impossible I had. Training Day, no. So you'd, you'd seen Fallout? Yeah, yeah. I had seen, yeah, it, I'd seen it as well. But it's, it's one of those where I hadn't seen it for so long, so I hadn't watched the other ones in so long either. But I didn't remember some bits, which was great. I love it. to get that little recap video in. Great yeah. that there's people out there, all these people on YouTube the way it is, that someone has thought that someone is going to have that exact issue. And yeah. made a YouTube video just for that. Did you need? I mean, I didn't. Obviously, I, I've watched all of the Missing Impossibles. I mean, I haven't watched most of them for a while. Fallout's probably the one I've seen most recently. You you can easily follow but, without. I think not easy, but it, it's pretty simple to deduce what's happening. If if you haven't seen the prior ones, you might not know who Elsa is and Solomon Lane is. But it's quite clear from his voice alone that he's a bad guy yeah. and it's quite clear that he knows who she is and there's some kind of tension there. So Yeah, yeah. Th- that's exactly how I felt because I was like, I don't need to watch the other ones because I have seen them like six years ago, but I got to a stage where I was like, well, I need to know who this girl is in the motorbike. <laughs> and that's well, when the first I was, Mission yeah. Impossible I saw was Mission Impossible 3 and they are like, but the early ones, these are the only two that follow concurrently. The first, however many, are all kind of like the James Bond thing where you can just pick a random one mm. and you're pretty much going to be able to work it out. This so. Impossible 3, was that the one where it was like a chip that was put into the... Yeah, I watched it on the day um, where Liverpool came back in the FA Cup final against West Ham. So that's what I associated with. Yeah. I remember Mission Impossible 2 was the first one that I watched, I think. And that was the one where they had that deadly virus and he injected it into his chick in that movie essentially just tom cruise doing tom cruise for... yeah essentially this this film now uh, mission impossible fallout doing this bit out of order but 
he essentially said, look, this could be the last one, or if it, I'll keep writing them, so if people are going to keep going to see it, then I'll keep making them. So mm. they've already commissioned another two. <laughs> Mission Impossible <laughs> isn't going anywhere. Nice. And nor's Ethan Hunt, so if he looks like he's going to die in the next one, there is another one coming straight after, so... Spoiler alert. Don't be too worried. Anyway. Synopsis. Ethan Hunt and his IMF team, along with some other familiar allies, racing against time after a mission gone wrong. Critics' reviews. What do you reckon? Do you reckon they've reacted well to this or badly to this? I'm probably going to say badly just because of the high pedestal that it's on. But I thought it was a great film. I, I think I'll you know what you I don't have as many this week, so uh, the best mission to date is the first one, so... Okay. Uh, a blockbuster bonanza that genuinely feels as if it's tossing absolutely everything it has at the audience in an attempt to deliver pure and adulterated escapism. Yeah. The craftsmanship is stellar, the performances are great, the action awe-inspiring, and the story deeply involving. Uh, I firmly believe that if Tom Cruise can die, it's going to be filming a Mission Impossible movie. <laughs> so, first of all, he's not sure if Tom Cruise can die. Secondly, there we go. Broken was, leg. Oh, yeah, I was going to bring up the broken leg thing. It is, and they put it in the trailer. Yeah, it's great that you see it as well. You can try and run it off. Best publicity you could have had. I knew about that. That's how I heard about the film before it was coming out. <laughs> um We'll call you out on the area, Sean. Um, you want to get away for Liverpool Spurs? If you're going to be texting during this podcast and disrespect me and Jack like that... I don't know what you're on about. You owe us an apology. You owe Jack an apology and you owe me an apology because you're being for very what? disrespectful. For what? He's texting, Jack. He's texting during this. That's disgusting. I'm not, I'm not quite sure I take that. Lucky he's not I'm pissed off not at all. Yeah, he had a piss in the last one, a fart in the one before yeah. that. And, he, and then he got the audacity to <laughs> fall down It was the not the one before, there was a big gap. Because Jack doesn't have a Skype picture as well, for the whole thing, I've just got Sean's little icon smirking at me as well. So even when he's being <laughs> annoying, it's even worse. Because <laughs> I can see his face looking at me out of the corner of my eye. Uh the film feels tougher and less polished in all the right ways, while simultaneously being bigger and more sweeping than ever before. It's the best of what the Mission Impossible franchise has to offer. These are very glowing reviews. Yeah. Is Combined... that good, I, I, yeah, I, I was pleasantly surprised when I watched it in the cinema. Yeah, and I, like, I watched it again, obviously, a couple of days ago, and it was one of those, it was, even though you've seen it and you know that it always ends well, I was still gripped. Like, you know a good thriller action movie is good when you have to set up or take off a jumper or something because you get too hot. I'm glad you had seen it before. Or I would have just dropped a horrendous spoiler to you where I thought we were at similar points in the film. You literally dropped it just before it happened as well, and I'd forgotten that it happened. I was like, ah. Oh. What was this? Jack, it, it we'll, was... Get, we'll get to that point, so... Uh... Yeah, we'll get to okay. that. Um Combined with exciting sequences such as adrenaline-fueled motorcycle chases to one of the best bathroom fights in recent cinema, Fallout is easily one of the most thrilling action films this year. I don't know what else was that in 2018 to see the competition there, but glowing that crazy. Could be a anyway. good, uh, that could be a good little category for, for film, bathroom fights. 
TV show, bathroom fights. You prefer a bathroom fight or a kitchen fight? I've been very uh, big on the kitchen fights this uh, season. I think I prefer the bathroom one. Yeah, there's a lot of... Someone's water. head's always getting bounced off the sink every yeah, time. It's, yeah, it's, exactly, yeah. It's the sink, and then James Bond, Casino Royale, where he drowns him in the sink as yeah. well. That's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. There's just so that's many... That's a pathetic way to well. go. Yeah, there's like... You can throw them through a cubicle wall. You can drown them in a toilet or a sink. If you're in a shower, then you can strangle yeah. them with a shower hose. It's just if you're going to drown opportunities. me, run the bath. I don't want to be drowned in a sink. That is a pathetic way to go. <laughs> it's bad, isn't it? At least have some respectable <laughs> amounts like of water. How are you being drowned in a sink? I think it's, it's testament to the build quality in Casino World of that toilet as well, because to have two full-grown men pushing down on the sink and it not break... Pretty. And it's a decent sized sink. A lot of sinks you wouldn't get your head past the tap to get it fully <laughs> under the water. Um, the film knows how to the film knows how to make your pulse race, but the story is the same as any other Mission Impossible film, and the sequel is basically dead as far as any sort of emotional acting goes. Impressive action doesn't make up for a diffused storyline. Like if you go in to watch a Mission Impossible film, you know what you're letting yourself in for. Yeah. And that's just heart racing, exhilarating stunts. And you just marvel at what Tom Cruise does because of him doing all his own you'll, stuff. You'll see a similar view, actually, at a moment, one after this. So, An action movie masterpiece. Mission Impossible Fallout is nothing short of incredible and an absolute must-see. It's redefined the genre in this franchise, and the bar has now been set impossibly high for other action movies to try and follow it. Um. This movie is basically Tom Cruise falling out of things. Helicopters, planes, windows, cliffs. There isn't anything Tom Cruise won't fling himself into, onto, or out of. That is fucking brilliant. So that is pretty much the film summed up, actually. <laughs> With a so bit cool. of Henry Cavill and his stash in there as well. Yeah. Um, it really does combine the best elements of the Fast and Furious and James Bond movies. A fair take for Mission Impossible? Uh, probably, yeah. Uh, that's not especially the the later Fast and Furious films where it was more like it wasn't it was less street racing it was more thriller kind of thing it's probably a good would, thing would Mission Impossible be improved by uh, Dominic Toretto telling him Tom Cruise is ride or die yeah you could that could be that could easily be a crossover film there I, I think Vin Diesel and Tom Cruise would definitely clash Tom <laughs> Cruise was getting some stick for telling people to adhere to COVID guidelines recently Vin Diesel is definitely the type to tell him. He's not telling me what to do. <laughs> He'd mock his height or something. I've never been able to see Vin Diesel in the same light since Family Guy took the mick out of him, where they just put him in a white tank top and just like his massive belly. With massive... <laughs> <laughs> I like that him and uh, The Rock are like beefing in real life. And so The Rock, as a power move, just gave himself a spin off film with Jason Statham. So we don't need. We don't need you here. Yeah. And that's how you got Hobson Shaw. I, I didn't, know in. didn't know they were beefing in real life. But I think Vin Diesel, quite rightly in his shoes, although The Rock is The Rock, is quite unhappy that The Rock's basically come in and it's now The Rock's franchise rather than Vin Diesel's franchise. Yeah, that's true. And so it's a bit of a power strip between them. Uh, last review. The result is a pulse-pounding affair that's easily the franchise's tightest. 
you don't often say that about two and a half hour runtime, but it's true. Didn't it's again one of those films where it doesn't feel that long because it is just all pure action. I thought it felt ro- it felt long when uh, if you check the the runtime, like in the cinema, it's a lot easier to have a two and a half hour film fly by. I think purely because you've got less distractions, it's it's hard to go out and check things and pull your phone out and that kind of thing. You are kind of fully engrossed, or you have a lot more around you when you're watching at home. But I only really clocked it was that long because I was just. I put it on late at night as you did chat, so I was kind of seeing how long have I got left here. Yeah. But no, two and a half hours. We've had shorter films feel longer. Definitely, definitely. Mad Max, for example. <laughs> Mad Max gets a lot of hate. I don't think it's that bad. The one I think felt longest to me in the whole two seasons we've done this was 40-Year-Old Virgin. I swear, that felt like it was about four hours long watching and I know you weren't on the podcast, Jack, but as you can imagine, the ending did get some stick where it's just Jonah Hill dancing in a field with Paul Rudd and everyone else. <laughs> or that, that Aquarius song. The yeah, Bridesmaids was another that did feel like it was about eight hours long. I did enjoy Bridesmaids. Um, so that is the reviews. If we go on to the trivia, there isn't too much, as most of it was just the same thing repeated. Yeah, it's hard to do a, a podcast talking about Tom Cruise without talking about Scientology. I know everything is kind of putting him in a positive light there. If you take yourself to Rotten Tomatoes, IMDb, anything like that, and look at the trivia, and I've got some of them on here, but it's all essentially uh, this really difficult thing should take you 10 years to learn. Tom Cruise learned this in 10 days for this film, and that's essentially what all of the trivia is. No for way. this film, it's basically like Tom Cruise is the most impressive man in the world <laughs> 8,000 times in a list of trivia so you'll spot a couple of these here, I'll try to uh, take them to a minimum but as we start off Tom Cruise showed some impressive stunt driving skills during filming the crew filmed four takes of Cruise making the 180 degree turn while driving the BMW M5 then a half dozen steps on the street to Paris Three of the takes were perfect. In the last 10 degrees of the turn, he had to turn the steering wheel, step on the clutch, put the car into first gear in the air. Stunt drivers train their entire lives to do something like that. I don't drive, so I don't know if that sounds as difficult as they're saying it is. Changing, having the mouse to be able to change gear in the midair whilst you're flying through the air is pretty impressive, no matter what car you're driving just that last sentence this stunt drivers train their entire lives if surely you need to pack this job in if you're 30 years in the job and you're still just driving around these steps trying to get into gear <laughs> yeah. listen start day one right this is the steps going to take you all your life to master this i like the pressure if you've been hired as a stuntman on set and you've got tom cruise and co watching you and he just said come on give it here like he's a kid like an older <laughs> brother watching his him trying to do a level on the PlayStation. <laughs> yeah. right, and he's just go, spinning through. Um, the bathroom fight was meant to be shot in four days, but due to the complexity of the fight, it ended up being shot over four weeks. It is brilliant, because like, he doesn't have a scratch on him. He gets multiple <laughs> kicks and punches and elbows to the face. And then doesn't get a mark on his jacket. 
just know, strolls into that meeting afterwards looking we're smart. obviously not in the movie making business but when i see something like that they're taking four weeks so i've just got these images of them doing a shot of him like landing a punching all right that's it for today then lads <laughs> let's let's go i don't know how it takes four weeks but look they got the end product they did i suppose I guess it's one of those where you have to roll through sequences, like entire segments of the fight. And if one bit doesn't look quite right, you have to redo all of it again. I'm just making assumptions. Probably not easier for this one, but the the interview I did with Drew Leary, a shame, shameful plug there, that's up on the YouTube, and he was saying that usually how these fight coordinations and stunt coordinations go is every actor or main actor kind of gets paired up with their coordinator in when you've got your A-listers. So in this case, they probably would have. They'll go through it with them, almost like teaching them the dance and then send them out onto the floor and they have to recreate it. So it almost never looks exactly the same as how it's going to be planned to. Mm-hmm. But this time around, um, the guy that they're doing it with, the uh, decoy, who you obviously later find out that um, he's a decoy, um, Liang Yang, he is the coordinator, so him doing that with them probably does make it a bit easier. Henry Cavill's got a couple of uh, posts up on his Instagram saying that how incredible he was to work with and how easy he made it all. So that's a plus point, I guess, and probably does make it a bit easier for him. Yeah, it's like player manager, isn't it? There's no always yeah. work. Sometimes you get like a Glenn Hoddle, and it just does. But being said as well, Henry Cavill said how weird it was because he's done action films before, being Superman, for example, but he says, when you do the training for that film, everything, all the training is essentially we're going to have you topless at least for a couple of parts of this film, so just make sure you look good when they oil him up or whatever they're going to do. But mm-hmm. this time around, it's like you're actually training to jump out of a plane, to spin this car around here, to take a punch here, that. So he said he really enjoyed it, but it was like a thousand times harder than anything it had to do previously. I suppose as well with Superman, there's a lot of green screen involved in that. And Tom Cruise is famous for not really using green screen. But I know you're probably going to come to the trivia bits that I've got. Yeah. But, so I'll let you say it. But it's just so impressive, some of the stuff. Well, some of the things they say Henry Cavill, as much as um, he wanted to work with Tom Cruise in this, is uh, he's constantly linked with being the new Bond. And so he said it kind of felt like he could get a bit of work experience on the job here for the kind of things he'd have to do if he was going to go on to be Bond. And so it was only going to help his case when he uh, pushes forward because he's made no secret that is a role he'd obviously love to do. I really hope he doesn't become Bond. I don't know what it is, <laughs> but it's something about that smug face. He just looks too tall. He does look absolutely massive. I don't know how yeah. tall he is, but he looks well. Uh, probably because he's next to Tom Cruise, actually. I didn't think about that. Yeah. Um, the Halo skydiving sequence. So they were 25,000 feet in the air, traveling at a speed of 265 to 320 kilometers an hour. This was the last sequence they filmed during the production. And they say it took a full year of planning out. It would have been a lot easier, but Tom Cruise's great idea was we have to film this during the sunset. So they essentially had like three minutes a day where they could get this right. Um, so, and then on top of that, they brought in some legislation in France, so it couldn't be shot there. They had to take it to the Emirates to film it just this one little 
well, little scene, but big scene, obviously. Mm. Um, so they say uh, it took 106 jumps. They got three possible takes they could use from it. And to rehearse the sequence, um, there's rumours that Tom Cruise helped to finance this. Um, they essentially built like an air tunnel so they could put the work in away from the filming. And then they also had to build these specialist helmets, which you can see on there, that light up. So you can see their faces and know that it's not just a stuntman, which is something, as you referenced, Tom Cruise is really keen to mm. do all of his own stunts, even at 58 years old. And then they had more trouble there, because as they were about to do it, someone on set kind of brought up that these little lights they had in the helmet, if they kind of short-fused or anything, the sparks during them jumping down their head is just going to be set on fire in these helmets <laughs> at 25,000 feet in the air. <laughs> so they had to get all this specialist rubber that they could put around the lights to ensure that they weren't just going to torch Tom Cruise on the way down. <laughs> That's amazing. Um, so they say Tom Cruise would do up to five skydives a day to make sure that he was right and could perfect this. Um, when it came down to it, he'd do f- one in the morning, three in the afternoon, and one at dusk. Um, if some of the other cast members turned up to visit, Simon Pegg said um, that it's a daily stress going to work with Tom Cruise because you don't know if you're going to see him the next day. <laughs> yeah. Like, that, you know when, I suppose you don't, but when, when you're driving, when you take that first journey on your own, when you've passed your test, it's like really... We're starting early today, are we? Such a subtle shot I've received. <laughs> but you take your first drive. I remember my first drive after passing my test on my own. I was really excited and shit myself a little bit. With Tom Cruise, the amount of skydives he does, <laughs> that adrenaline must just wear off. So like, whereas it would be really exciting for most people to do a skydive, it's like his morning commute now. He's probably thinking... I've got to do this again. For fuck's sake, this takes forever. Keenan, here he is. Good evening. How are we? Evening, um, Keenan. Sean's disrespected us all and been texting while we've been doing this, but other than that, we're still doing the trivia of Mission Impossible, so you've not missed too much. Oh, well, little did you know, I was actually texting Keenan, keeping him up to date. <laughs> I've done a very feeble um, Danzel impression, which neither of these two reacted to, so the silence told me all I did need to know. Well, you um, said joined as always, and then you were like, ah, oh, <laughs> these motherfuckers. And I was like, <laughs> and I was like oh, it's Skype stopped recording or something. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, acting. Yeah. He's acting like, chops I've got. It was the pause. I, yeah, I was like expecting you to say, what well, is that again? <laughs> the pause. The pause was my acting. That was my bit of acting. <laughs> well, I think I, I think that's a sign that you don't give out a day job, mate. I haven't heard well, it yet, so I can't really comment. I might these two clearly thought that the pause was unintentional, so it's just Denzel the way you... got an Oscar for training day. I could get an Oscar for Denzel. It's, it's one you did the same ah oh, as when the Xbox turns off by accident. <laughs> yeah. So it wasn't quite oh fuck, I've been cornered by loads of gangsters. It was oh no, my Xbox has gone off or something. Oh, it was a bit. Oh, I've left my, let my tea go. My cup, cup of tea. Oh, when, uh, when the when the bus when the bus goes just before you're about to get there. <laughs> oh, I, that I, is the I, worst. I've, I've you've, never heard, my... you've never heard me when that bus goes. When I miss that bus, don't worry. You I've, you all know I'm not happy. I've got. Oh, actually, now. I was pimping you out today, Keenan. Um, I was speaking to someone else, um, 
and we were discussing on whether we were going to do someone in. And um, we thought if we put you in a bally, and maybe you've got a bit more of a threatening tone. So if you called them like Chavi or something, then they may hand things over before we have to get a bit reckless. Okay. Um, the person I was discussing with, the, their name does rhyme with Shmori, so they were also <laughs> interested in pimping you out. <laughs> okay. I mean, for for the record, my services couldn't find my way out of the paper bag, so it would be it would be tone only. Yeah, um, but we put, we put you we put you in a balaclava. <laughs> you, you give people a bit of jip. We're rolling. <laughs> okay. It's nice to know that I'm thought of, I suppose. Exactly. Um, crikey, it's sort of falling over there. Wasn't me. That was me. Um, I changed. Apologies. <laughs> um, so, Tom Cruise was originally cast as Napoleon Solo in The Man from Uncle before being forced to drop out as production for the previous instalment of Mission Impossible clashed with that. As a result, Henry Cavill was moved up to get the job. Tom Cruise watched the film. He was interested in seeing who'd replaced him. That's the first he'd seen from Henry Cavill, who he then uh, put forward to the director, Christopher McQuarrie, and asked to cast him in uh, the next sequel. So that's how Henry Cavill got the job. It's where the cookie crumbles sometimes. Yeah, he yeah. loved that film as well. Yeah, a good film. It was also Tom Cruise's idea to have Vanessa Kirby cast as the White Widow because he was impressed by her work as Princess Margaret in the first two seasons of The Crown. So Tom Cruise is sat at home watching The Crown like Sean. Tom Cruise, very interesting. <laughs> I do not watch The Crown. You tried it. You you put in our chat a while back that you were watching it. No, I didn't. I'm sure it was you. Have you have you tried it? I, I mean, may, I, may, I might have said I tried it. I think, uh, well, yeah, I've probably said I've tried it and then didn't like it. But yeah, I wouldn't really 21st of 21st of December 2020. Yeah, you said I've got the crown on in the background. The queen was a ting back in the day, wasn't she? Valid as well. But, uh... I knew you'd said it. I knew I wasn't going mental. <laughs> yeah, so that's that was the case. So I had it because my um, my. Uh, sister was watching it um, so yeah it was just on in the background but yeah I couldn't really get into it though no. um, and then finally uh, the 15 minute nuclear bomb countdown at the end of the film lasts for over 22 minutes on screen so so I've got this great. it's one of my gripes that I hate prolonged um, the countdowns I hate it I'd rather it they do a 20 minute countdown and make the scene 20 minutes it's because we've been spoiled by 24. Now, yeah, exactly. That's what I mean. Where you know the time is the time on that. And you've got no more isn't, left. Isn't it the first Austin My, Powers where there's like three seconds left on the clock and he still takes about 10 seconds to walk over? Yeah. They purposely make it go slow. My pet peeve is, and I know it's done, it's not even for a dramatic effect at this point, is that every countdown gets down to two or three seconds when there's <laughs> ample opportunity for them to stop it with five minutes. Well, they say in this, don't they? How long do you leave it? Do we leave yeah. it two seconds? Do we leave two, two seconds left or one second left? Yeah, it's, it, 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 I actually liked that in this film because it was a little nod to it. Because it just annoys me. Every countdown gets to one second when they've had ample opportunity just to stop it. Yeah. Jack, did you uh, have any other trivia? Did you say before I continue? No, mine was the halo jump. And him uh, being the first person to attempt it on camera. 
did we cover the fact that the fucker jumped out of a plane 106 times? Yeah, yeah. And I was saying that um, the light bulbs in the helmet, if they didn't adjust it at the last second, then Tom Cruise's head could have been set on fire at 25,000 feet. Wow. Did not know that bit. They were saying that the the light bulbs, basically, if if they short-circuited during the jump, then they would have sparked with the oxygen in the helmet. Yeah. And then he would have been torched. Wow. Um, I've wondered, I don't know if this came up in your trivia, and apologies to anyone listening if you've got a cover or grind, but... um, did they get? I don't know if you found this. Did they manage to insure insure him for it? <clears throat> I didn't get that down. I assume Tom Cruise costs a lot of money to insure. So I'm see, too... I do as well, and it's a it's a premium. Like it's a if you were an insurance company, you'd be like, yes, awesome, but but your premium would just be fucking stupid because <laughs> this is Mission Impossible Six. They can't really recast Ethan Hunt as uh, as anyone else at this at this well, stage. We spoke the other week about um, calls we'd had to take. For mm. good or bad reasons during taking them, <laughs> you take the the call. I'd like to ensure Tom Cruise, please, to jump out of the plane. Mate, if you were on commission, you'd be absolutely buzzing. Yeah, that'd be, that'd be twelve million pound, please. So the thoughts I wrote down while watching this: first thing I wrote down, and this was from in the first five minutes of the film, missiles, Russians, and plutonium. This is literally action movie one hundred and one. They have yeah. not gone out of the box here. It's we'll go with a standard action movie and we're going to bank on Tom Cruise just doing his thing. Yeah. you literally ticked every box there. Genuine is pretty much exactly how my dad described this to me last night when I said I had to watch it. <laughs> he was like, it's it, it's a, a very standard action film. Like, there's no story to it. He was like, eh, there's a little bit, but there's no story to it. Just watch Tom Cruise for an hour and, uh, for, yeah. for two hours and you'll like it. And I was like, okay, cool. Um, I've got motorbikes never seem cooler than when they're chasing down a car in films. They seem like such a convenience when they're zipping through pillars and things like that. Mm. Yeah. Also a bit of trivia, my favourite motorcycle, the one in Crash Bandicoot 3, if you were wondering. I wasn't. Second then, the one in Dread, <laughs> which Jack hated. <laughs> the one in Dread is dog. Oh. I'd back myself to stay on the one in Dread, though. That's my main issue with motorcycles. Uh the oh, one in Dread about, like, delivering a kids pizza. back in the day, like having fun going down a hill on a bike. I would be closer. holding my brakes slowly, making sure I don't go too fast. <laughs> Been yeah. on a moped once and a mo- motorbike once, almost died both times. Get on a Vespa. Get on a Vespa yeah. around Rome. Yeah, everyone I know that's been to Thailand seems to have a story about them falling off a moped. So I don't know what they've put in them over there. Goffy crashed. Goffy crashed is when we went. Uh, I, I almost died on the way back from the trip because some bloke was towing a car in front of me and he stalled the he stalled the van as I was going up a hill and I all had to swerve to avoid him and almost fell drove down said hill wasn't fun. Jeez. I'm glad they've not gone over to um, Amsterdam because just bicycles there are a death trap. If they were motorised, you'd have about ten ten deaths a day. Well, in Amsterdam they have mopeds that go through the cycle lanes as well and they're fucking nightmares. Yeah, insane. Yeah. But um, going back to the Dread motorbike, the Dread motorbike looks like, you know those bicycles that they sell ice cream from in New York City? You know, like, where they've just got this massive front of a fridge on the front of it, and then the rest of it's really small? That's what the Dread motorbike looks like. Can you say ice cream again? Because I think if I said it like that, Sean would be mocking me. Ice cream. (laughs) That sounds like what he says about me saying Love Island. (laughs) Ice cream. Love Island. Well, say it again. Ice cream. Don't know. I might have to hear it a few more times, but it's not. It's not quite your Love Island. It's not. It's um, not really. It's not pod material. Me saying ice cream all the time. 
It's not. Every time I seem to say nugget, I get about three messages. (laughs) Are you saying nugget again? (laughs) Um, I I messaged Jack during this saying that it was like the meme. You know um, when they use the masks for the second time where you think it's Solomon Lane in the chair and it's actually a Simon Pegg and then Henry Cavill thinks he got him. Alec Baldwin's holding the gun out to him and Henry Cavill steals the gun and then it turns out not to be loaded. It it was just like that meme that keeps going around now, the uh, somebody call an ambulance and then the second one and it's like, but not for me. And that is essentially what that is there. As he pulls his second gun out. It's so good when something like that happens. <laughs> like, there's nothing better than someone trying to shoot someone and it be deliberately not loaded. Well, it's just... taken. He's going, you've been out of the game so long. This doesn't. It's heavier with bullets. Um, I also wrote down that Julia's husband is a knockoff Jake Gyllenhaal. (laughs) (laughs) He's in he's in the Hunger Games and he has like a fantastic beard. That's the only thing I've seen him in. It was like they couldn't cast Jake Gyllenhaal and thought, who can we get that looks just like him? If you've got to be a budget, someone. I I wasn't sure if he was the guy from Hunger Games or the guy from Rules of Engagement. But he's Hunger Games one, isn't he? Yeah. The uh, games maker. In the yeah. This this is also the only film I've ever seen where the helicopter doesn't just explode on impact with anything. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it's one of those that he chases after him in a helicopter, and he needs to get this one pin out of this detonator, and if he breaks the detonator. <laughs> then it, the, the nuclear bombs go off. So it is a high-risk environment. And it is what? very convenient that neither of the two helicopters blow up. Yeah, because like any other film, if it's a or a video game, you touch like the side of a cliff yeah. and you don't kind of bounce off. It just explodes instantly. Well, with a helicopter as well, um, all the fuel is stored in like the doors. They have like, that's where they keep the fuel tanks. So any kind of spark and usually when a helicopter crashes there's going to be a spark um it just blows up and they're 15 minutes into a journey there so they'll be pretty fueled up i would imagine so uh yeah they should have exploded is my opinion on that don't you know so much about helicopters (laughs) i I did a i did a flying scholarship when i was 16 so i fly i knew i was about to say i'm sure he did something with Got bombed out of form, and then he's trying to become a fucking pilot. Yeah, I, I genuinely <laughs> I did did my scholarship, went to ground school, and then there's this like program where you have to pay eighty grand up front to go and learn in New Zealand, and I couldn't afford it. <laughs> yeah, so I'm not sure. I turned up. I turned up to the first day. Right, I turned up to the first day, and uh, all the kids from the scholarship were there, and they were their dads, who were, like ridiculously well off, like private school kids. Um, dad is paying for it and I turned up in my Citroen Saxo with a wing mirror hanging off by a thread that I hadn't removed yet because I hit a lamppost with it and then Your I sat dad's down saying thought, to you, if you hadn't wrecked the house a few years back Jack maybe you yeah. could have done this <laughs> yeah well, to be fair it was actually no it was before my 18th so it was before was say. Ah. so it was, I was about 16, 17 when I did my scholarship I wonder if your dad derived any pleasure at the thought of you not becoming a pilot when you'd like ruined his house. So just like fucking, let's call it even. He's probably thinking if I did it, I could have fucking paid for it. So. <laughs> could have paid for my house, yeah. yeah. Did, you, did you do that thing at school? Because that's reminded me, I'm sure there was some thing where it was like, 
make a little aeroplane and fly it. And a team from our school won it. No. I don't know if you were part of that team. No. It didn't strike me as the team you would be in. No, I was, I was more of a flyer than an engineer, if anything. But yeah, it's, it's, it's really interesting as well. So with like helicopters and things like that, when in films, they always grab the stick and they're like wrenching it from side to side. <laughs> And in a helicopter, you fly it with your finger and thumb because the vibrations from the cabin. If you held it fully with your hands, it would like send the gyroscope all off because your hand, the vibrations would transfer into the joystick. So actually, you have to try to have as less contact with the joystick as possible. Uh, but then in all these films, like they're flying around, shoving these joysticks left, right, and center, and the, pl- the helicopter just fly out and like fall out of the sky, pretty much. I hate you even flying the... things in video games. Yeah, that's why I hate Battlefront. <laughs> did you ever do um? Did you ever do any of the practical? Just a theory. Like, did you ever actually just get up in the sky and start flying shit around? Me? Yeah. Yeah, I've got forty-five hours. That's I've got I've got enough for my private pilot's license. It's yeah, probably no, expensive went, it's as well. It's probably run out now. That's, but that was that was actually my provisional. For for equally difficult. Light aircraft. It's not actually that expensive. It's not too bad. You have to have forty-five flying hours and about £100 an hour but like I said I had a scholarship so they've got 10 hours in a helicopter and 45 hours in a fixed wing which is like a single propelled aircraft oh shit can't you <laughs> drive Keenan you just don't drive no I, I I mean I can drive I just lack the necessary paperwork oh I thought you had a driving I thought you had a driving <laughs> licence no, hey, I can drive, I can drive. perfectly fine I just can't reverse round corners yeah I saw you that as well except um I can't parallel park yeah, <laughs> with yours. Any, speed any given emergency stop. <laughs> yeah, any of the seven. Other than that, yeah, I can drive as well. Um, Sean's Sean's got that where he's got a driving license but doesn't drive, which is more of an insult. Um, <laughs> me not being able to drive. <laughs> Why is that an insult? Because I feel like if if you if you can drive, then you should drive, or they should take it off you and give it to someone like me. You confirmed sign that petition, didn't you? I was running around the other other week saying people who can't have a petition to COVID during COVID times. Yeah, they just give you a pass. That would be nice. One hundred percent. I was all. I would have been all over that if I thought it was ever going to go anywhere. But no, I've not signed any COVID petitions. They were killing me. He would win in a a car park race between you and Byron. What first or in car? No, in 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 cars. You are looking at a person that you're looking at a person that managed to break the speed limit on their driving test. Yeah. Probably not a not a claim to fame you want. Um, well, we're talking speed. We're talking speed. So in the race, you went twenty two in a twenty mile hour zone. Uh, no, I was tricked. Um, a dirty, dirty trick, um, as they said. They said we're going to do an emer- You've got to do an emergency stop. And make sure you're going fast enough because you have to be going at a certain speed for then it really to be an emergency stop. So I thought I'm doing you a favour, picking up some speed, ready to do the emergency stop. And then I said, you. Then they said you are aware the speed limit is 20. Don't ask me to do emergency stop in a 20 mile an hour zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they have actually loved you that. <laughs> oh, that's class. There we go. Anyway, onto the categories. Mission Impossible Fallout. How do you feel in terms of rewatchability? It's a struggle at two and a half hours, isn't it? Yes, I think it's we want for a, for a two and a half hour film though. It's Mission Impossible is probably 
so the most rewatchable you can get. So I think it is. It's got the qualities are rewatchable, but I find it hard to say any two and a half hour film is particularly rewatchable. No, Sean makes a good point though. It's one of them where if you had to pick a list, it probably would be high up because you haven't got to think about a lot, have you? No, if it was no. a list of over two and a half hour films that were yeah. rewatchable. <laughs> that's what I mean, yeah. That's what I mean. If you had to have that as a category of yeah, yeah. films that you've rewatched, probably be quite high up. I got, like I say, you haven't got to think about anything. You just sit in, sit down, watch Tom Cruise be Tom Cruise, Simon Pegg does a bit, and Henry Cavill walks around looking fucking unreal. You you weren't on here when we mentioned this earlier, Keenan. If I had to ask you, three fi- mm-hmm. the top three films we've done while doing both seasons of the podcast, that mm-hmm. felt the longest, not necessarily yeah. with the runtime. Yep. What What would you say top three? Bridesmaids, Taken, and Taken, Mad Max. Taken felt long. It's only an hour and twenty. Fucking hell. Yeah. Okay. I felt every, I did have every one of those minutes. <laughs> I, did have, I did have Bridesmaids, and um, I did say Fort Your Hot Virgin felt like it was about four hours long. Weirdly, when we rewatched it for the pod, I don't know what it was because it's a film I really like, but the one that I remember sticking in my mind, and I think I mentioned it when we did the pod, the one that felt like a fucking age was Anchorman. Anchorman didn't age well for me. When we in fact, mate, when I watched when we rewatched <laughs> it for the pod, and I've watched it since, and it was fine, but I don't know if it was because I was watching it one fully one hundred percent like bang in front of it, no distraction to take to take notes down and stuff, but it felt like it went on and on. That runtime of Forty Year Old Virgin is a kick in the teeth when you have Jonah Hill dancing to that song at the end. Your guy That's Joe just mocking you, saying you sat you sat here watching this. Yeah, they do take the piss with it with those end credits. If we go on to the quotes for Mission Impossible, Sean, what would your standout? Uh, standout quote: What's the matter, Hunt? Afraid of a little lightning? I quite enjoyed that. And then obviously, Cavill does get hit by the lightning. <laughs> Agreed. I am the storm. That that really wound me up. This did. <laughs> if, if you're talking in code, like you're trying to decipher, is this person who I think they are before I have this? Choose something like you're coming to take their order for some food and say, "What are you ordering?" and get them to answer a couple of things. Fate whispers to the warrior, "A storm is coming," and the warrior whispers back, "I am the storm." That's not code. <laughs> if you've got that far to get to and the warrior whispers back you know who it is <laughs> it's very true actually if anyone says fate whispers to the warrior you just assume that that's your guy if if I'm delivering a code to Keen and I say I'm going to go to McDonald's what are you having and he says uh, I'll have 20 nuggets and then a diet coke with no ice that's a code and it's also for anyone that hears they don't know the context there. They don't know me hearing him say no ice is the trigger point. If I go to Keenan and say his brother walks past and hears him say to me, and the warrior whispers back, and I say, I am the storm, he's going to think, hmm, something suspicious going on here. <laughs> you make a good point. You do make a so, good point. I've just busted the IMF. But it's not what, like three of the films are about the CIA trying to do it. So you're more yeah. successful than them. Exactly. Um, Jack, any quotes stand out for you? Yeah, I think my favourite one was after the gun bit um, with the second mask scene, where Alec Bowen says, oh, I've ruined your day, haven't I? 
and you were doing so well up until then. I think this one's loaded. Want to find out? And that was just. I thought Ilsa talking to uh, Ethan Hunt. If you reverse this conversation, would be very threatening when she says you don't know what you're involved in. He says you need to walk away, and then she says, "Please don't make me go through you." If you reverse <laughs> that conversation, that would go along with a lot of the accusations towards Tom Cruise. Hmm. Very true. Very true. Him asking August, who Henry Cavill said he didn't know if that was his character's name until they were actually cutting up the film because he's never referred to as August. Him saying, why won't you just die, is how the villain must feel in every Bond, Mission Impossible, Fast and Furious film. I don't know why they don't just try and pay people who can shoot as well. Yeah. <laughs> So many of these films, just I, I understand why you cannot shoot for shit. Surely, if you're a billionaire supervillain, you try and hire the best of the best. Yeah. Like, they're amazing at martial arts, and they land loads of punches on this untouchable protagonist. But as soon as you put a gun in their hand, they're fucking useless. Can't fucking shoot him from <laughs> ten feet away. Yeah. And like they always have to get a quip in. They always have to play with their food, don't they? You can never just go, yeah. like, shoot first quit later we ever make it big on the pod and then we move into making a film I promise you my villain fucking kills someone without saying a word he just walks in and yeah. shoots him in the head and that's it oh, what, fate of what, work what, what film do they do that in it's The Raid uh, it does it in The Raid briefly with the guys at the beginning but the, yeah, there's, there was one where they kill quite a well known person I've forgotten it now well, but the one that does it where right at the end with the villain they just quite literally just bang no conversation yeah, no messing about that. Mm. There's the conversation that uh, Sloan and Hunley have, where she says, "This is the CIA's mission. If he held on to pl- if he held on to plutonium, we wouldn't be having this conversation." And he says, "His team would be dead." She says, "Yes, they would. That's the job." Is what like Sean Dyche says to his players when they don't just stick their head in when a boot's coming through. <laughs> He's like, "I'm going to get kicked in the head," and he saying, "That's your job. That is your job." Fair. <laughs> My favourite quote was, uh, or the last thing that goes through your mind would be your kneecaps as he's doing this, about to do the skydive. And he says mm-hmm. about pulling the parachute at the right time and then doesn't pull his at the right time. Any from your end, Keenan? Uh, when, I can't remember her name, mate, but when the woman from the CIA walks over and she's introducing your man, Henry Cavill, and they're having their little strategy talk and she's like, yeah, you use a, small, uh, a scalpel and I'll use a hammer. Quite like that. Eric, Erica Sloan, nicely. when he apologises at the funeral for disrupting it, just says, oh, I'm terribly sorry. <laughs> Solomon Lane could have said anything in his tone and it would have sounded menacing. Yes, agreed. Terrorists are schoolboys desperate for attention, hoping to shape public opinion through fear. I don't care in the least what people think or feel. In my experience, they don't do either for very long. It's not a, quite, a, quite, a nice, quite a good villain, actually, given this year. He's got the look. He does. Villains look more menacing when they don't look like they could beat you up. Because you know they've obviously got a bit more to them. Yeah. Yeah. And you had that voice on top. Little scar. The uh, Hollywood trope of casting English people to play villains is genuinely (laughs) just fantastic. It's phenomenal. That's what we're known as, I guess. Yeah. Well, Jaguar, do you remember Jag did that advert? It was like Ben Kingsley, Mark Strong, and a couple ben of others. Yeah, all the bad. 
Uh, ben Kingsley does just look very villainous. He does. But they dragged it that advert about Brits being so good at being bad. And I thought it was great because it was just made me, made me laugh more than anything. Um, best moment slash scene, Keenan? Uh, I'm sure you'll all disagree, but I am just going to give it to the, to the plane jump. Not so, Maybe not so much for the scene, but just because I cannot tell you how, for someone who is fucking almost pathologically scared of heights, how impressed I was at that country. Sorry. Jumped out of a plane 106 times. Couldn't get it out of my head. I do disagree. It's, it's the bathroom fight for me. That came second, but that is all. What about you, Jack? I'm tied between Alec Baldwin with the gun and no bullets in <laughs> and when Tom Cruise breaks his leg. Because I remember, like you said earlier in the trivia, hearing that he did that and then waiting the whole film to see where he broke his leg. And every time I watch, I'm like, he broke his leg in that scene. <laughs> so I'll just give myself a little subtle nod to it. So in years two... to come, people will be sick of hearing that trivia when people yeah, are telling know. their kids, like, he broke his leg there. <laughs> what about you, Sean? Uh, I've got two, either the, the prison van, like, into the water, and then the bike chase, like, everything that's involved with that, uh, or the fake hospital scene as well, oh, which yeah. I quite like. I, I think yeah. like it's testament to the movie that we've all picked different scenes, and mm. they're all as brilliant as each other. That, mm. that scene for him um, in the van, uh, he had to learn to hold his breath for upwards of forty-five seconds so they could get the shot perfectly. They offered him some alternatives, but he said he wanted it to be done just right. So, does does anyone, when they see an underwater scene in a movie, hold their own breath to see if they'd survive or not? Nope. No. Oh, just, just, just me then. But I, I do smoked, that. I smoke too much to know the answer, man. Unless it's a pop in the bath, then I'm, I'm out. See, I, I, I do that. He thinks he can beat me in a race now with those tar-filled lungs. Hundred meters, I still got in me. If we did that, if we did that, I think I'd be very close to coming last, possibly with Keenan. Like whenever I'm underwater, I can't stay under for too long. <laughs> nah, I've, I'm fucked these days. I thought you meant in a race with me and Keenan, you were going to be last with Keenan while I win. <laughs> if you get, <laughs> shoot, you're actually in half about shape. If you get, if you get done by Ivan, your athletic career is hey, going to win. Ask Jack about me in the 1500 metres for sports day. Did I come last? Those are very <laughs> long days that they'll go by. I was going to say, you forget, you forget, you forget, you were, you were trim and proper then. You were, you I were was sick. I was sick the day before, hence why I had to do the 1500 metres. Nobody else wanted to do it, so I was signed up to do it for my form. What, what position did you mate? come in? I had blood in my mouth after <laughs> I finished it as well. Yeah, I would know, to be honest. Um, me and Rory had a mate at a school who was like form. They didn't really, they weren't athletically blessed. But basically, like one, year, one year, I don't know how many lads were in it either, but obviously split into male and female races. One year, he, he had to do the 100 metre, 200 metre, 400 metre, 800 metre, and the 15 for his form. And then they just scraped together a team for the relay. <laughs> Fucking horrendous. That's <laughs> like always when we... What? I felt so bad for him. By the end of the, of the last race, he, like, he just looked like he was going to cry. It, it was just an absolute battering that day. What school did you go to again, Keenan? Uh, went to Benny's, mate. Sheesh. Whenever we mention form sports it's always worth mentioning that Jack and his team did walk off and forfeit a contest against our house because they believed they'd been uh, unfairly treated so essentially what happened was, was that Luke's form was known as 
they just had all the best footballers in that. Yeah, in, in that as form. you can understand, Keenan, I was in that form. <laughs> so, <laughs> so Byron sat on that we, bench, was it? So I wasn't. I was in goal for one of the games. So basically, I, me being a keeper at the time, um, I was up front because I was one of the only players in the team that could actually hit a football. Anyway, we, we um score. We go 1-0 up. And I'm like, right, give me the gloves. I'm going straight back into goal. We're parking the bus here. And as I'm in the opposition's half, changing into the gloves, they've kicked off and booted it straight into the goal. And the, and our fucking PE teacher allowed the goal. As and, you would. Um, if they've blown what? a whistle, then you've got to be ready. Well, no, that doesn't stop for anyone. All players have to be in their half to restart a game if you check the rules, actually. <laughs> well, usually I, the teams aren't keep which, which I informed the referee slash PE teacher at the time. It didn't help as well. He just lost my cricket bat in a fucking teacher's game and I was fuming at him. So I was like, right, no, it's not happening. Pulled the whole team off the pitch. I was, I was captain. I was like, I'm not fucking standing for this. <laughs> <laughs> and, we, and then we all did the whole, oh, and, in the house game. The, and there just, you go, tilting was, of the century. It was a bit of a power play between me and the PE teacher because he was like, "Get back on the pitch," and I had my entire team in the changing rooms. <laughs> so uh, we know won that battle. <laughs> I mean, you still lost yeah. the game, so I mean, yeah, I know, but it's it's, it's the proof. You've died on the wrong. Fact. You've you've died on the wrong hill, there, mate. I've got the, the, the fact is as well. Looking back on it now, it was one one. <laughs> yeah, we weren't exactly. even losing. We could have still as, played for a point. As uh, Jack felt he was in this position, uh, MVP Tom Cruise. It's got to be for Mission Impossible, hasn't it? Yeah, yeah. He just does everything, doesn't he? I mean, there's help from Benji and the guys, but really. It's him. He does everything himself. Yeah, uh, Sean, you that suit your uh, definition of MVP? It does. It does. You're right. So yeah, he is. He is the MVP for me. Luther, Luther was actually supposed to die in the first Mission Impossible, but he probably owes a lot to him now for the money he's made. Um, essentially, he just became mates with Tom Cruise on the set, and so Tom Cruise took it to the one was like. This guy is too integral to Ethan Hunt's character. You can't kill him off. Uh, so they rewrote the script of the first one and didn't kill him. So here he still is going on nine films later by the end of all the ones they've recorded. And he's probably made a decent whack out of uh, just being Tom Cruise's mate. Nine films? They've got another two um, already uh, in production and... Tom Cruise said he's going to keep writing them until, as long as people keep watching them. I think people will just keep watching. It's so fast and furious, mate. I still think well, he's going to say he's, he's got a gentleman's bet on with Vin Diesel to see, <laughs> see who can come out on top. Just think, just think it's one of those things where it's just never going to go anywhere. It's like James Bond as well. Just think as long as people will just keep watching them because they are exactly what they should be. If um, we go ahead, actually, yeah, we'll go ahead. We'll go on to uh, training day and then we'll come back for the judging. So, a rookie cop spends his first day as a Los Angeles narcotics officer with a rogue detective who isn't what he appears to be. Does that do it justice, the film that we do end up getting? I mean, he is dodgy from the jump. <clears throat> I, I, I think I've messaged Keenan mostly about this this week. Um, this was Jack's first time watching it. Um, I knew it was good and then about two minutes into putting it back on, I was like, no, no, I forgot just how good this is. <laughs> I referenced it to Byron. I said, I think it's one of the best films I've ever watched. 
I was hanging on Denzel's every word. <laughs> yeah. I do think, the, like, well, I know we'll get there, but I genuinely am. I think Ethan Hawke, I'm going to call him Ethan Hunter in this part, yeah. aren't I? Confirmed. <laughs> so Ethan Hawke, I think, is quite good in this film, but I genuinely think you could just recast him. Well, you're going to hear some of the other potential recastings that yeah. you nearly got. So, But you, you can't give this to anyone else but Denzel. No, and they nearly did. So, Critics' reviews. This could have just been another corrupt cop thriller if it wasn't for the involvement of Denzel Washington, who works spectacularly against type to come up with one of the more to come up with one of the more memorable screen villains. If he makes it through the, the trial by fire, oh, sorry. I was going to say just a point because I know obviously he is the villain. Then no one else at the end just wants to see him get to the Russians with the money. I was I was gutted. I didn't want him to take the money, but I was gutted when he was killed. I wanted him to get there and just have a scene. I wanted a little two-minute chat between him and the Russians. There was no conversation with the Russians. <laughs> nah. They're just ruthless today, by the way. Yeah. They're just laughing after when he's trying to get out of the car. They're all roaring. They, they, they don't play these games. Uh, if he makes it through the trial by fire and a blandly twisting plot with no meaningful revelations or substantial themes, Hawk will get a promotion, but there's nothing in it for us. <laughs> That's more negative than any review we had for Mission Impossible. Um, <laughs> my guess is that the conceit was meant to be that Denz was a bad guy, and that's fun to watch. Instead, this just adds another to his list of bad films he's acted in. Wow. How many bad films had Denzel yeah. done by 2001? Because oh, he's in the bone color. He usually picks his films pretty well. Yeah. Another one. I can't yeah. of Remember the Titans and the Bone oh. Collector. I watched a Denzel film the other day called Deja Vu. Great film. So I watched that for the first time. I I, I thought it was going to be a typical Denzel cop drama. And then all of a sudden it was like, well, we've got a fucking time machine and we're going to use it. He's done Malcolm X. You can't say that's a bad film. Yeah, this is mental. They're making out like he's just putting out these awful films. The Pelican Brief, good film. Philadelphia, bit heavy hitting, but good film. Crimson, Crimson Tide. Tide, good film. Courage Under Fire, he's five of his, but I'm just going through the ones I've seen. The Bone Collector, yeah. good film. He's been in the Hurricane at this point as well. Great film. Yeah, I remember, I remember the Titans. What the hell yeah. is this bloke talking about? Dick. If anything, he goes downhill. Gangster as well. That's, that's then, about or? ten years later. Uh, okay. Yeah, um, yeah he does. He does run a little bit downhill, but I do like great do film. Like, Flight is. Spoke to guns. someone who we reference on the pod sometimes who. Um, said names with um, Wham Loft. Um, yeah. Only Denzel film he's ever seen is Flight. Whoa! <laughs> I was going to say something, but I'm not sure if I can. <laughs> like, that's not true. Surely. No, it is. Because he was... Him and, he, him and Denzel... He didn't see that. what the issue was. Him and Denzel share the same predilection, shall we say, in that film. As, <laughs> as I've said before, his taste in films is like, his favourite film is like Rise of the Foot Soldier 9, Green Street 8, and like <laughs> the classic like ones that go straight to DVD in England or go into like the, the underworld of Amazon Prime. Okay. Yeah, he does love Rise that. of the Foot Yeah, someone the other day mouth was, was mouthing Rise of the Foot Soldier. Rise of the Foot Soldier 3. Great watch. Oh, I, I didn't bother after the first one. I just okay. think of him with a pizza cutter. Number three is the pinnacle. Great watch. Not not a good film in any way, shape, or form. 
but somehow a great watch. Oh, yeah, when I say that about Batman and Robin, apparently I'm the villain. Yeah, but that's just shite on all great films. You, you know, where's Mr. Freeze in Rise of the Foot Soldier 3? <laughs> um, it would improve the film, and don't tell me it wouldn't. I don't know what you want me to say to that, honestly. Um, mostly insignificant and overlong, clocking at two hours when 90 minutes would have more than sufficed. They're not oh, liking yeah. this film, are they? <laughs> Oh, Maybe it's like the Shawshank Redemption where it just wasn't appreciated in its own time. Wow. A brutal, fierce, intense police thriller. Training Day takes a well-worn format and infuses it with freshness and verve. The only backup I can give to these bad reviews is that... Well, that was a good review. No, I know, but going back to the other ones, is that Ethan is such a weakling, like, actor-wise, compared to Denzel. Like, he gets shown up. Like, you know when you've got a shit oh, midfield playing next to a great football I don't. I think Ethan, Ethan Hawke was nominated for an Oscar for this. Was he? Yeah, Best Supporting Actor, and then Denzel won it for Best Actor. Jesus. Ethan Hawke's great in this. I don't think he is. I actually agree with Jack. Like I say, I think you could just put any white bloke in there. Wait, the well, wait till you hear some of these casting what-ifs and then see how you feel. One of okay. them is going he's going to rock you to your boots. Uh, it was just too much slime to take in for one day as somewhere after the first half of the film the shock scene simply wore off and the film lost any dramatic effect as a conventional police drama this is as good as a Hollywood genre pick gets dares to be a cop movie based on character and not pyrotechnics I can't if you watch Alan Partridge everyone yeah I I can't hear the word pyrotechnics without saying it with a South African accent in my head I don't think Sean has, and I think Keenan might dislike it. If I'm not I, do, I do dislike it. Pyrotechnics. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, while Training Day is a violent film, its brutality takes place in a believable moral universe and isn't just tossed in to give us a thrill. Mm-hmm. Having seen everything come together so beautifully, it almost physically hurts to watch Training Day collapse into a pile of cop movie tropes during the last 15 minutes. Two more. With its unflinching style, Training Day can be hard to sit through at times, but it's worth the discomfort for the adrenaline rush of the plot and Washington's compelling performance. There comes a point in every movie when it has to quit playing coy and let the audience know where it stands. Once Training Day takes that step, it begins to disintegrate before our very eyes. Wow. Absolute nonsense, man. I like the way it unfolds. You you couldn't just have Denzel and Ethan Hawke just rolling around in the car for two hours. <laughs> I would still, I would still watch it if you let, if you would just let Denzel talk for two hours. I'll be honest. I've got the trivia for you then. So Denzel has frequently said that Detective Alonzo Harris is his favourite character he's ever played. The line "King Kong ain't got shit on me" was ad libbed by Denzel Washington. It's gone to be one of his most iconic quotes. Um, Toby Maguire was seriously considered for the part of Officer Jake Hoyt. <laughs> he even followed undercover narcotics officers in Los Angeles for two months and gained weight for the role. He was dropped when Ethan Hawke, Fuqua's first choice, was finally available for the shooting schedule. Wow. Imagine that rejection. I hope he got paid. Toby Maguire, so, apparently, apparently a massive dick. Yeah, I feel like we see the like the most realistic Toby Maguire when he turns into a dick in Spider-Man. Uh, no, he just dies in a black... Do you know like how heavily he was supposed to feature in like Molly's game? Um, yeah, like some of the texts you got saying, oh, "I'm glad you're going to jail. You're a fucking bitch. Hope you die." Yeah, basically, it's all come from him. Probably just a massive dick. 
movies. And yeah, that's what I remember him in uh, Great Gatsby as well, but don't really see him too much, do you? Considering nah. he meant to be a very good actor, obviously. Um, about the casting of Ethan Hawke, Antoine Fuqua said, there's something innocent about Ethan. He's such a nice guy, but there's something in his eyes that tells you he's seen something. <laughs> when the movie came out, many viewers and critics were sceptical of the scenes where Jake Hoyt smokes marijuana laced with PCP, and Alonzo's explanation of how a cop who didn't take drugs offered to him on the street would be ID'd as police and murdered. David Ayer responded in an interview by holding up a highlighted section of the LAPD's rules and regulations. It stated that officers were allowed to use narcotics in very specific undercover situations and hewed closely to what Alonzo told Jake. So Denzel was just doing him a favour. Exactly, he's got to teach him these lessons. The coffee shop in the beginning of the movie, which was incidentally the first scene shot, is the same shop that was used in Seven, in the scene where Morgan Freeman meets Gwyneth Paltrow to talk, <sighs> and is the cafe used in Gone in 60 Seconds, Ghost World, and Catch Me If You Can. This fucking cafe is famous. If where? you look, you'll, also, you'll see quality cafe is written in the window of all the films. Is that like a little nod in Hollywood, do you reckon? Or... Probably just a place that is easy to rent out in is probably in LA or somewhere like that where they're filming. Um, before Antoine Fuqua was involved in the project, Davis Guggenheim was set to direct with Samuel L. Jackson as Detective Sergeant Alonzo Harris and Matt Damon as rookie officer Jake Hoyt. When, De- when Denzel accepted the role as Detective Sergeant Alonzo Harris, Guggenheim was replaced as director, as was Matt Damon. I would have preferred to see Matt Damon, I think. I okay. guess Matt Damon can do uh, his essentially his kind of character in The Departed in how kind of Weasley is, but I don't know. I don't know how Sean feels about him. I I feel like even Hawk plays the role literally perfectly as a believable guy, and as he said, he, he looks like he does have a bit of something in him. I I just don't like in the scene where he's playing cards with the um, Mexican gangsters. It just, I don't know, it just doesn't seem right. I don't know what it is. He's not right. He's a nervous guy who's got to try and put on a brave face. I know, but as a viewer watching it, I didn't... Like I said, maybe it's because if you put something white next to snow, it doesn't seem white anymore. When you put someone next to, like, Denzel's performance... What about Denzel? Hey? What are you saying about Denzel? No, I'm saying that he was so good that he makes... Good people look shit. Well, I do like. I know I've. I know I've said like you could put anyone in there, but I don't think he's. Um, I don't like Ethan Hawke does a good job here. I just don't. He's not spectacular, is he? But I do think he, he, he's. Is, is he in there to be spectacular, or is he in there to do kind of his job? I don't know. You might be right, and that might be exactly what they asked him to do, and he might have. Sure. What do you think? Very good. Well, uh, what about Ethan Hawke? And yeah. Uh, um, I'm probably more inclined to agree with you. Yeah, I think he plays it well as because he's he's meant to kind of look at a place because he's like a rookie and new to it and he's probably not meant for it for it. So yeah, I think he plays it well. But I could also um, see Tilby Maguire in that role also. <laughs> We've spoken about his glasses on it. Jay Gyllenhaal. What about what about uh, David Spade? David Spade. Jay Gyllenhaal, <laughs> I I could see do it, but I, I'm happy with Ethan Hawke. 
you're doing it now, you could get a Ryan Gosling type in there. Looks nervous uh, all the time. He sounds nervous as well. <laughs> Even when he acts Ryan, cool. Ryan, I don't think Ryan Gosling looks nervous. Ryan Gosling is too slick. Ryan Gosling, them eyes shift like them eyes shift a million miles a minute. Wait till you see Place Beyond the Pines. Stop trying to fucking rent this. Stop trying to get me on this film, will you? Great film. When you see him as a stuntman, I recommended Entourage to you before, Sean. So let's get that nipped in the bud. No, I've got no record of that. Is also, I didn't mean to say, again. do you think the director of um, Mission Impossible is potentially an Entourage fan due to the uh, head of the CIA being called Erica Sloan? Hmm. Eric Sloan. E. Sloan. Possibly. Possibly. Maybe. If you were an entourage fan, you just you get Piven in there somewhere, don't you? You do. No? My guy Harry Gold. Get Lloyd in there next to Denzel. <laughs> <laughs> I do watch that film, I've got to be honest. <laughs> this movie is unique in Academy Awards history and it's the only time an African American, Denzel Washington, won the best actor Oscar as directed by a fellow African American, Anton Fuqua. Sheesh. Christian Bale was offered the role of Jake Hoyt but turned it down. See, you you know that that is an unreal film. Yeah, that's what I mean. Christian Bale, he looks too hard-nosed for this role. I don't think so. Not 2001. Right, you have him... He's just coming off like the machinist or something like that. He's going to be looking well ropey. Exactly. He don't look that hard-nosed, does he? He'll look like he's about six stone wet through. He'll look like he's seen too much. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I just I do think Christian Bell would would absolutely kill would would have killed that. I'm not saying either, like I said, I don't not even don't even think he's bad. Just and think, Christian Bale's just coming off the back of American Psycho. He can't go and do this. American Psycho was a few years before. American Psycho's two thousand. What was it? Shit, I don't know why I didn't it was ninety six. Okay. Um. Yeah. I do, I do think, I do, like I say, I don't actually think even all bad. I might have painted myself into a corner here, so this would just, I'll just have to die on it. But I do, do just think you, he is replaceable. Um, the word fuck is used 211 times. <laughs> Mickey Rourke was Antoine Fuqua's first choice for the part of Roger, but the studio turned down his request. Do you know what the request was? For Mickey Rourke to be in the role. Oh, sorry. I missed. Did I Mickey Rourke there? Oh, he definitely does. We've seen some things. Um, Ethan Hawke was nominated for an Oscar for Best Actor in a Supporting Role, despite the fact he has more screen time in the film than his co-star Denzel Washington, who was nominated for and won the Oscar for Best Actor in the Leading Role. Um, Keenan, mm-hmm. I know you, ref- you said about it earlier. The original mm-hmm. ending had Alonso getting carried getting away with his crimes. But Denzel Washington insisted that it be, he be, it be amended and he gets his comeuppance. Hmm. Denzel, trying to bring a bit of morality into the film. I'll quiz you both here. Uh, well, three of you here. What do you think the body count was for each film? I don't think it's not very many in training days at all. Give me give me a prediction for both, Keenan. Four. No, six for training day. Mission Impossible, I haven't got a fucking clue. 32. Jack? I'm going in training day. I'm going to go with two. Two is such a good shout. I was going to say four. And what, a, 
Mission Impossible? In Mission Impossible, I'm going to say... I'm going to go nine. Sean? Uh, three for Training Day. And 21 for Mission Impossible. One of you got one of them right. Um, the body count for Training Day is two. Yeah, I thought it was. Roger and Alonso. Yeah. And the body count for Mission Impossible is three. Oh, shit. Three? Jesus. Yeah. And yet both are fucking quite substantially action-packed films. Amazing. Who are the... Because obviously I know the one for Mission Impossible. Who who are the other two I'm thinking of? In Mission Impossible, you have got John Lark. Yeah. John Lark, uh, body double, sorry. Um, You've got... I wrote it down. This can't you've be the, right, because you've got the two people in the helicopter. You've got the John Lark decoy, you've got Alan Hunley, and you've got August Walker. R.I.P. What about the two helicopter people? He throws them out of the helicopter and shoots the pilot. That's not oh, a tip. They might survive. There's absolutely no way they survive. One <laughs> shot. This is by the Mission Impossible Lone Wiki page, so... But, Take it up with them. And you've got some people getting shot. And stabbed in the neck. We saw, we saw policemen called. They were saved. No, when anyway. they have the meet, when they have the meeting with the white, is it the white widow? And she stabbed someone in the chest and in the neck. <clears throat> Excuse me. Hey, you got one right. You have to have both right. Sheesh. <laughs> um. So, this the character of Alonzo Harris was based on a guy called Rafael Perez. Um, he was a Puerto Rican-born LAPD officer in the late 1980s and 90s who joined the Rampart anti-gang, Crash, uh, Community Resources Against Street Hoodlums, it was called, in 1995. He then gets pulled into the dark world of police corruption, as they say, starts dealing a boatload of cocaine while serving as a policeman, and eventually becomes a central figure in the LAPD Rampart scandal, as it was called. Um, uh, they made a film called a- Rampart, didn't they? Yeah. So there's a book written, it was called Bad, Infamy, Darkness, Evil and Slime. Um, and the writer says the characterization and training day of bad cop Alonzo Harris is a, is a composite of the Rampart villains Perez and Mac, who was another former LAPD officer who was also in the same scandal. They were both Latino and African American, part cop and part gangbanger. Um, he says that there was also other similarities between the film and the real story. Like both officers, Harris is a serious as pl- a serious player with a Salvadorian mistress who recalls Veronica Pisada and the Honduran lover of Rafael Perez. So uh, they like their Latina women too. There is a very good film or documentary that was on Netflix. I don't know if it's still there. Called The Seven Five. It's about it's about a copper in New York rather than L.A. But it's basically about similar very similar things yeah they load of coppers at this precinct ended up running their own fucking drug dealing really really good well this guy got arrested managed to cut a deal with the prosecutors um and did 35 interviews um where they they unearthed a story about widespread police misconduct within the crash team at his sentencing he blamed the intoxicant of police power he says my job became an intoxicant but i lusted after he was released from jail in 2001 after serving three of his five years. And then he was also in a lawsuit in 2007 
as he's actually been linked and is apparently one of the most credible leads into uh, the death of Christopher Wallace, a.k.a. Notorious B.I.G. Um, so his relatives filed a wrongful death suit against Perez and his former partner, Nino Durden, and Mac, who we referenced before, who claimed they were all responsible for his death. So, ropey guy. For sure. They did a TV show on this, which did horribly. Set 15 years after the events of the film, follows two officers that weren't in the film, it got horrible reviews. Um, Antoine Foucault was meant to direct it. And then once Ethan Hawke decided, I don't fancy doing that TV show, he dropped out. And so according to uh, critics review, they say uh, training day falls short of recapturing the excellence of the film and its television incarnation and fails to distinguish itself from the current squad of tired police procedurals. So uh, that went horribly, but, there is a prequel movie in the works. Um, Warner Brothers has commissioned it, and it's a prequel um, to the Antoine Fuqua-directed crime thriller, and they say that it's going to be written with the help of David A., who did the first one, directed by Nick Yarbrough, um, and it's going to pick up around the time of the L.A. riots that followed the infamous Rodney King verdict, and Alonzo's character is going to be the lead, so... I'm sure they'll get to play him just yet. Get his son to play him. That was commissioned in 2019, so still early doors yet. Maybe they'll do it for the 15 years or something like that, or 10 years. It'll be 10 years, it'll be this year, so. There we go. It'll be 20 years, mate, this year. Yeah, sorry. I've got here, so Jake's day that he has for his first day. First of all, Sean, who do you think has a worse day? Worst first day, Hoyt or Anderson in Dread? <laughs> Anderson in Dread, probably. I'm going to... I reckon it's probably going to be Jake, purely because he doesn't know what he's letting himself in for. He thinks he's trying to learn from this car. And in, in the end, he gets... To be fair, she doesn't know she's getting locked in. No, but she is, she is a judge. She, she, she is in charge of her own downfall. She gets asked to pick a crime. She picks a triple homicide. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, have, have any of you had like an awful first day, whether that be like at work or first day at school? Is there anything that kind of sticks out? No, not really. I remember, not for me, but it's not even that bad, but it just, it did paint the seat, the picture very well. Where the first time I worked, started working for the company that I work for now, they brought in, in the same training group, this guy who was supposed to be like an IT bigwig. Joe like knew all the the legal stuff, the information security stuff. He was going to like revolutionise and sort of ch- change the company as well. This is what I was told afterwards. Um, guy was in with us for about ten minutes before he was going to do some stuff, and we were just signing contracts, etc., just doing your normal first day things. Bloke takes, he's got the like HR manager and stuff in with him. Doesn't even look at the contract, just whips his signature on it straight away, and they're like, "You sure?" He's like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, it's fine, it's fine." That is reading the title page on the contract I think was the most he read in the two weeks he worked at the, com- the company before he got bombed it was just like th- at that moment they were just like yeah for fuck's sake what have we got ourselves <laughs> in for this, this guy's job is to be detail orientated to like the most granular level it just fucked off his it fucked off his own contract what's he going to do for us and he just well, didn't last very long I guess I haven't had one like truly horrific but a bad mm-hmm. one one I had in the uh, I had in the summer uh 
my first day and obviously normally you're kind of excited to start a new job and it goes quite quickly or stuff but I knew I wasn't going to like it there anyway so I was dreading it I remember just turning up and then it's obviously like 9am first day it's just in an office just me and this bloke and then it was just and then we weren't speaking to each other and it was like silence for about four hours <laughs> so I remember looking looking at the time and it was like only 30 minutes gone I was like, I've got to do this for another seven hours and then I've got to do it every day. <laughs> I think as if, my, as if he hadn't said hello to you or anything like when you walked in the office. That's so weird. Well, no, well, like we've, obviously, we've done the like hello and, and that initial introduction. But then it was like once that was out of the way, then it was like. He's not, I've not even tried to have a chat with her. That's weird. Like a, a little bit. But it was a case That's of weird. I think both of us didn't really want to talk. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Was music playing. Nothing to do, computer. Oh, with... wow. So all you can hear is like the clock ticking. And that exactly, is yeah, yeah. And this is obviously, <laughs> this is in like the peak of the first lockdown as well. So like, we're the only two people that I knew that were working in an office. Everyone else was at home or furlough. So obviously <laughs> there's nothing you can do outside of it either. But yeah. Unreal. I think my worst one was probably, I think I, it's like my first job in the motor industry. I worked in car sales. I was like 19, something like that. And fucking, I went on a test drive and the person I was test driving with was this like woman and she drove straight into a bollard. You know, they have those like metal bollards that like ring off a car forecourt. She drove straight into that and like the radiator went. So it was like pissing water everywhere. And I didn't know what to do because I've never been in a car accident ever before and I definitely didn't know what to do in my first day in the car sales business and she just got out, she just got out of the car and walked off it's what a, did she look like? it's a garage in Cheltenham by the way um, it's down by the Shell Garage if you uh, on Princess Lizzie Way if you, if you guys know it what Where, did she yeah, look like? opposite what did she look like? yeah she, uh, she was like a Karen short kind of bleached highlighted blonde hair liquor licence? Huh? <laughs> You're a fucking idiot, man. <laughs> I don't get it. Wow, well, you clearly weren't watching Training Day close enough. I've just quoted the film to you, and my action again takes oh, another big tip. Uh, so to run through Jake's in Jake's induction, his Training Day meet at the cafe first of all. He's got the thing which everyone's probably experienced at least once where you don't know if the person is joking with you or being truly serious when he's telling him, look, I'm trying to read my paper. He then tells him, you need to tell me an interesting story, which put on the spot, I don't know if any of you have one in your back pocket you'd go for. I'd be struggling. No. Probably bring up a few Reeve stories. I don't think you're impressing Denzel with that. <laughs> Maybe not. Then you run down on some college kids, confiscate their drugs, smoke some drugs laced with PCP, so he's tripping out for the next however long. Visit an ex-cop and dealer. You then prevent an assault, take a beating in the process. Runs down on a wheelchair-bound snoop. Lunch with Eva Mendez and her son. Big highlight there. Um, helps with an armed raid. Turns down 250 grand in cash. Plays poker with a Mexican gang. Narrowly escapes death. And then 
does finally deal with Alonso. So, hell of a training day. How do you go back to your old job after this? Because that unit's now fucked. He he gets a glimpse of Eva Mendes, his warlocks, and lives to tell the tale. Warlocks? What have you just called warlocks? <laughs> Again, I'm quoting Superbad here, so everyone's movie <laughs> trivia down the drain. Keenan appreciate it, what I said back in the week. I wasn't sure if it was Superbad or a Step Brothers there. He says I've got to catch a glimpse of those warlocks. Yeah, that was a big fan. Um, interestingly, Eva Mendes has agreed to this. I don't know if you saw Kira Knightley did an interview this week where she says uh, she'll no longer perform any sex scene or have any nude scenes uh, in a male-directed film. When you can't help but feel the director here has essentially gone, we've got Eva Mendes here. Come on. As he winks <laughs> to the people doing the script, come on, do me a favour. And she's agreed to it. Kira Knightley not, wouldn't have the same effect as even Mendes for a start. <laughs> Denzel was going back to Kira Knightley. That would be a completely different film. <laughs> a very different film. Um, other thoughts I had down. Um, Denzel, when he starts walking across the road without looking right from the jump, you can see he's, he's a BMF within five minutes of the film started. Yeah, fair. doesn't bother looking at the traffic. Could get hit by a car, but it's worth it if uh, just to look cool. And then two minutes later, he says, "You're in the office, baby." Boom! Cut to still Dre. <laughs> Transition starts, and you're in. You're hooked. Yeah, you make a good point. As soon as he lifts the cut, lifts that caddy up off its boot, yeah, as well. Just goes from there. Unreal. I think Sean said that it's uh, the closest competition he's found for the hangover where it transitions <laughs> to uh, Can't Tell Me Nothing. Um, are you watching Spurs, Sean? Yeah. You're 1-0 up. Sorry, Keenan. No, I'm well aware. Byron, man. I'm behind. Well, you said you were ditching us, so assume you would be. Liverpool um, really should have scored as well. But hey. I just yeah. saw the, the Mane chat, so I thought if I <laughs> if I missed and I actually went in. No. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I'd done two guns are a lot cooler than one. When those crackheads and he pulls the two guns out, that is significantly cooler than if he just had the one there. And he taps true. them together like he's got like, two swords. And like one he's firing in a very efficient way and the other one is just kind of like... <laughs> Held to the size, gangster style. Unreal. Only only Denzel is pulling that off in that safe. Oh, no, actually, uh, I because when I was watching it, I was just lying down in bed, and then when that kicked in, I like, actually sat up like, like <laughs> you would in the cinema. What for the still Dre or the bang in the uh, bang? Oh, the sorry, the, the still Dre moment. Sorry, Sean, you didn't miss a goal. Don't worry about it. Um, one thing I had down that I liked. I like that it gradually gets darker. Too many films are daytime, then nighttime. In this, when it's a film specifically where it's the all-in-one day, it is a lot better that you can gradually see the day passing. And that was a big tick for me. Only a little thing, but something that uh, big help. Um, Fair enough. Dre and Snoop, Rex Ryan Hall of Fame, first ballot, surely. Did Sean yes. recognise it was Dre in this? 
Yeah. Dre and Snoop first call it. Dre comes off a lot better than Snoop does. <laughs> yeah, Snoop don't have a great time of it, does he? When Every he, film when Snoop's it, in, he's a rat. When when Ethan Hawke launches him out of that chair as well. Wow. Diabolical <laughs> <laughs> behaviour. I don't care. I don't care what he's done. Yeah, I like the, yeah. at that moment Denzel gives him a look like that was a bit too far knowing <laughs> what you then know by the end of the film yeah um, I, I do love the bit where he's like you know I'm surgical with this motherfucker remember that guy in the wheelchair how <laughs> <laughs> think he got that <laughs> I've got that just, down as one of my favourite quotes <laughs> he's trying to take his head off and he just drops it in so casually also Le- describing yourself as surgical with anything just fucking makes me roar every, every line Denzel says in this you could tell me it's your best quote, and I, I wouldn't argue. Literally everything yeah. he says. There are there's so many uh, when we get to quotes that, like as we've said, there's going to be so many that we just can't use or, or do anything it's, with. Um, whose phones on vibrate? A... Can they take it off? Because if people have headphones in, they're going to be deafened when they play this back. I don't think it was me. My phone's been. I think it's Sean. Well, my phone popped over the message, so I assumed it was the same time for you. One thing that I had down, if we were compiling our checklist of all the action film little tropes, chains are always far too easy to just rip off someone's neck. When he rips his police badge off, why is it all so easy for what's, what appears to be a metal chain and they just yank it off their necks with relative ease every single time? It depends on the gold. Uh, it depends on the metal, obviously. But if it's gold and silver, it is pretty weak. If it's like cast iron, then yeah, it's going to be difficult. I'd want a bit better quality if I've gone through that work to be a policeman, or lack of <laughs> in this case. Um, rewatchability, Keenan. All day, every day. Not I all, contemplated all day, every day. rewatching this again last night, and I only watched so it I. on uh, Monday. So did I, genuinely. Like all day, every day. If this is one of them where if I notice it's on, I'm not like, oh, I might stay and watch this film. I'm on. It's, it's on for the rest of the Yeah, this was the first time you'd watched it. How are you feeling? I thought it was great. I thought it was a really good film. I think I, I was just so sucking into Denzel's performance in this that nothing else mattered. It all fell by the wayside a little bit. The twist was good. Just because, Ethan Hawke's performance. Yeah. And, <laughs> Like the twist was great to see it first time as well. Um, but you could kind of see where it was going because you kind of think in your head that go one or two ways, like it's a really bad cop, but he's doing it for good reasons. And you think that it's all going to make sense and all the bad stuff he's done is going to be eclipsed by this wonderful kind of heroic act or something like that. And actually, no, it just goes darker and darker and darker. Well, he says, Actually, he? he says that there's nothing wrong with street justice and then he falls to a vic- become a victim of it himself. Yeah, exactly. So it's kind of like, I preferred it went that way instead of the kind of cutesy crap that we used to seeing from these films. The second time you, you see it back, you, you do hear on the phone call before um, they go to um, the, the Mexican house, you hear him on the phone say, um, make sure that bathtub's clean. Mm-hmm. Which obviously, when you know what you know afterwards, then you know what he's done for, or should have been done for, if he hadn't picked up the purse and left it in his pocket. Very yeah. nice coincidence for him. Yeah, and that's quite right, a chunky it? purse to be having in your pocket all day as well. It must be rather uncomfortable. He's got to make sure it gets back to the owner. Get Sean, rewatchability. Yeah. Uh, yeah, 
Yeah, I, I think I, I'd probably rewatch Mission Impossible before I would watch this one. Um, but Blasphemy. I think it's still it's still not the most. Yeah, it's not unrewatchable. I could watch it again fairly recently, fairly um, soon. soon. Sorry. If if we go on to the quotes, I mean, the entire King Kong ain't got shit on me speech. Um, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I I didn't have the Denzel in me because I was going to start off when Keenan was enjoying us saying I was going to send him down to play basketball in Pelican Bay by the time I'm finished with him and all of that but didn't have the stomach for it oh you motherfuckers <laughs> okay alright I'm putting cases on all you bitches huh you think you can do this shit Jay you think you can do this to me you motherfuckers will be playing basketball in Pelican Bay when I get finished with you. Shoe program, nigga. 23-hour lockdown. I'm the man up in this piece. You'll never see the light of day. Who the fuck you think you fucking with? I'm the police. I run shit here. You just live here. Yeah, that's right. You better walk away. Go on, walk away, because I'm going to burn this motherfucker down. King Kong ain't got shit on me. Yeah, shame. What about the the scene where it's like that girl is fourteen, she's all woman though. You tax that ass for days. <laughs> they say about taxing that ass several times in this film. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, it's not what you know; it's what you can prove. It's very apt, like yeah. guys. To protect, to protect the sheep, you got to catch the wolf, and it takes a wolf to catch a wolf. You're listening, but you ain't hear me. I love that. Mm. Uh, they Look, build jails yeah, because of me. What you say, Sean? The way he says, "Look, man, I got a wife," and Denzel says, <laughs> well, "He says to him uh, just before that, he says, uh, I don't believe you. You tapped the ass, didn't you? Come on, tell the truth. You know you <laughs> tapped the ass. You put her in the back seat. Bam, Codex." And he says, I've got a wife. And he says, you've got a dick. You do have a dick, don't you? Okay, the dick lines up straight like that to the right of it, to the left of some pockets. And those pockets of money looking even one of them paid a bill. <laughs> Mint. Great way to finish does. conversation. Yeah, I also and like... He does. Just... He's sunned him early. Oh, I do like, uh, just in the cafe as well, he's like, telling me you work with this fine bitch for a year and the only story you've got to tell me. It's about a drunk stop. <laughs> this shit's chess ain't checkers. <laughs> You want to go to jail? You want to go home? Give me the money and let me go home. We're going to run a train for your girlfriend. You know what a train is, right? <laughs> so dark, by the way. <laughs> he says, uh, they got room for guys like you at the booty house. You ever been to the booty house? <laughs> Big boys will have you grab your ankles. He says, yeah, suck my dick. And he's like, yeah, that's how it starts. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a fucking unreal, unreal reply. And he um, says, you, you, you got a kid, right? He says, yeah, i got a little girl. i got five. i got five. All boys. You have a son? You let me know. I'll hook your old lady up. Count this. Count this. <laughs> she says, can we not talk about my family? He says, that's cool. I respect that. My boy was like, sorry, pretty young bride. You still probably fuck her face. Fuck her face to face, don't you? <laughs> oh, mate, I'm real. Uh, taxation without representation. Nothing's free in this world. Yeah. Not even arrest warrants. Not even a restaurant. Yeah, not even a restaurant. <laughs> and he says, "You're right. I didn't want to know that. Like, that's yeah. the worst thing that had happened that day. 
Oh no. <laughs> At this point he's always been stabbed by crackheads because of oh, bit of corruption. Uh when the captain says to him, I don't know why I'm meeting you. I don't talk to dead men. Do like that. Um there was there was another one I had done that I loved. It'd be my pleasure to put a hydro shock in that melon. <laughs> a nice way of saying it, it'd be my pleasure to shoot him in the head. The uh the that whole speech where he's like, Look, this kid's got the magic eye, I can see it. No one's gonna ask you to pull the trigger if you don't wanna Oh, it's just that's phenomenal. Um, oh, I do like it when they're talking. And he's just like when he gives him the gun. He's like, nah, sorry, you got to put your own work around, working around yeah. here. Just always like that. He's like, that's... you, you've already said him saying, you know, I'm surgical with this bitch, Jake. He's, How do you want it? <laughs> Closed casket. Remember that fool in a wheelchair? How do you think he got there? That's unreal. When he's doing the old, uh, you can get, <laughs> you can get ten bullet. You get ten years for each bullet. That's ten. That's twenty. Come on, just give me a name. Just, just great intimidation. One of the Mexicans saying to him, "You're about to shit pushed in." And he's like, "I'm always getting love for the homies." <laughs> I love getting my shit pushed in, man. <laughs> <laughs> fucking... I'm definitely taking that in isolation. Opening next week's episode with it. <laughs> you do you. It's 2021, Bob. Get with the <laughs> That's the second time you pointed a gun at me. There will not be a third. He starts screaming, "You're a dead man!" After he knocks me, he goes, "Hey, Paul, yeah. bang!" Just drops him. You got the right um, to be bitch slapped. He's my friend. Why? Because I knew. Why? Because he knew. Uh, uh, why? Because he knew my name. That's that's the game. <laughs> I'm playing his ass. <laughs> that's that's my job. That's your job. He does make a fair I, point. He's like he sells dope to kids. I watched that motherfucker. I watched that motherfucker operate with impunity for over ten years. Now I got him. Um, I've been planning this all week, son. He's talking that crazy shit. I'll make sure that blood gets to the lab. You want to walk your baby nuts around the block, you won't make it to the corner. Yeah, I do love that scene. Then uh, Wood just sounds like he could just sun you in about 30 seconds and you just have to put up with it because there's yeah. no way you'll be in the alpha in that situation. No. <laughs> Nobody told you to smoke that thing. You made the decision. Live with it. it ain't like I put a gun to your head. <laughs> yeah. One Dust, PCP, Primo's, P-Dog. That's what you had. That's what you were smoking. You couldn't taste it. Didn't know he liked to get wet. <laughs> Just do do like as he like new age goes. What a day! Sticks a fag in his mouth. What a motherfucking day! Does his little does his little dance. I do that when I get home from work sometimes. Let alone after the day he's had. Mm, do love they build jails because of me. Judges have handed out over fifteen thousand yeah. man years based on my investigation. You ever caught anyone? No, didn't think so. I run shit around here. You just live here. Yeah, I'm real. I'm winning anyway. I'm winning. I stay winning. That, that whole speech is is just. I've watched it about a hundred times a week, minimum. It's 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 pretty much perfect, isn't it? I'm the man up in this piece. <laughs> oh, it's fucking hell. You think you can do this to me? Anything else other than the rest of the script? The two minutes of the script we've not quoted yet. <laughs> Snoop Dogg's saying it smells like bacon in this motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> um, you ain't ever killed any before have you it ain't like stepping on ants Jake it takes a man to kill you man enough to kill Jake <laughs> gun pointing to his head he's still fucking digging him out <laughs> there's no in between it's like stepping on ants and then it's yeah. just the next step up is you ain't ever killed a man <laughs> you're a long way from Starbucks homie 
<laughs> he de- they do shout some shit at him when he's walking down the street. It's quite nice. Definitely next time I score against someone on FIFA, I'm telling them I'm surgical with this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> or Madden. Just... Madden, actually. Madden, next time I pull a touchdown. Nice. Probably against Sean. Although I could get a couple of catchphrases for that because I would be scoring plenty. <laughs> talk about me and Keenan on Madden. Ah, shoot, next time you ask him why he won't play me anymore. We've discussed this before because you're a hustler. <laughs> 50 someone said I hustle, hustle, hustle. Uh, so let me pick the Jets. We should, we should play Madden clubs, actually. Oh, mate, you, don't, you, you, could do, you could do with me on your team, really. Byron will have, well, Byron will have. You might have lost it. I did say to get this Madden and you didn't get it all on the PS4. Suspicious, maybe. Class. Very suspicious. Now I know what's coming. Class is permanent, mate. Don't worry about that. I'm surgical. I'm surgical. <laughs> I'll take you to score any day to go give them. Well, other topics before uh, we get on to the judging. Best moment slash scene, and why is it Denzel's speech? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm going. I'm either going with Denzel's speech, or I'm going with the bathtub scene. Or even Mendes showing us the eighth wonder of the world. I know for a fact that would be, I was waiting for you to bring that up. Genuinely. I don't know I, if it's in the moment. I feel like prime for prime, you, you may have to take Eva Mendes over Jennifer Lopez. Uh, prime for prime, yes, but you take J-Lo now, correct? I, I can't see J-Lo without thinking of Cartman's hand in <laughs> South Park. <laughs> taco, taco, burrito, burrito. <laughs> yeah, I'm so surprised they got away with all of that. And that in that episode, I'm coming to Do you know what I'm saying? They've done well to get away with it, and that is one of them. <laughs> what an episode. List of favourite scenes if you want them. Uh, Killing Roger. Explanation of Killing Roger. That whole thing actually is my favourite part of the film. Uh, King Kong scene. Shoot out at Alonzo's between those two where he says I'm surgical with this motherfucker. Um, <laughs> the standoff scene. Obviously, the King Kong scene I have mentioned, and basically any time, any time they're in that Cadillac. Denzel does not care, but he's unsure where his kid is while he's pinging this shotgun around the apartment. Yep. yep. Also, the second uh, Denzel gets into some trouble, even Mendez looking out the window, and like, right, that's that then. I don't want any <laughs> that smoke. I'll close the curtains. <laughs> Say goodbye to your daddy. Bye. <laughs> He looks up and that's when you just see it in his eyes. He knows it's game over. That kid, the only one that hasn't been charmed by Denzel as well. Which the, he, he, he's met Ethan Hawke about four hours before, had a little snooze on his chest, ate Let some uh, Mexican food with him, and then lets him in the house and sides with him when it comes to a shootout. <laughs> yeah, absolute snake, by the way. Well, he's seen, he's seen Denzel just turn up, put a shift in on his mum and then go every so often so maybe maybe yeah. he's got a fair point maybe he's been waiting he's been, he's been waiting to take him down also that kid's hard as nails he's not even he just he's not even that shook by a fucking shotgun yeah. going off in the house he's like four like people are literally taking lumps out of his old beer's front room and he's like yeah right signed <laughs> she had lumps taken out of earlier that day by Denzel he turns up and puts in that word she, <laughs> she, she no qualms from her she says I've got to go well, she doesn't have a choice about it. Genuinely. She's more than happy with her millions being chucked around. 
like the fact that the millions come out and then clothes just come straight off. She she's got not a care in the world. Story as old as time, mate. And to be fair, once Jake's seen it, she's reaching for the pillowcase. And something I did notice: there's shotguns being pinged around her living room. And that's the point where she feels she needs to get a robe on. She uh, comes out yeah. of a robe after that. So in the urgency of things, she's hurt. These don't come cheap. <laughs> My hoist's not getting have a look at these. <laughs> also, shot under the bed on that fucking uh, on that little rotating thing. Yeah, what an invention. Denzel, as part of that day, as much of that, he's definitely just he just wants to show her off to Hoyt. Mm-hmm. He's like, all right, I've shown him a drug dealer today, showed him me harassing school kids to get their drugs off them. May as well take him around, just show him what I'm working with. <laughs> <laughs> what a way to assert dominance. Let him know. Let him know. Also, if he's referring you, you, you to you can't blame him. Also, if he's referring to Eva as the bird he doesn't want to fuck face to face anymore. Disgraceful from Denzel. That is mental if so. They actually still have five kids to be fair, so Nah, it's true. So it could be uh, any number. I think he does call her his bit on the side as well at some point during the film, so you're working with some some serious heat if that's your bit on the side. Correct. I I propose before I leave the house the first time I have to meet any of the members. Probably why Denzel's the one there. Um, I'm the one here, but if you're listening, either I'm on the podcast, I'll <laughs> go from there. Propose over Zoom. Sean, best scene? Uh, yeah, for, for me, I think for me, it's the the cafe scene. So when when they first meet each other, really like that scene. And then, you know, if you want to kind of extend that a little bit to when they first go in the car and and then the dre drops. You're in uh, the office, baby. You're in the office, baby, yeah. Uh, do we even say that in quotes? I don't think we did, do we? Yeah. Mentioned it before. Oh, mentioned it, okay. Um, but, yeah, so I think that one's my favourite scene. How much does it accentuate just that one quote just by putting baby at the end of it? That's yeah, so much. Usually. It does. A lot. He's a poet. Surgical with his words as well. <laughs> what was your favourite scene, Jack? I'm going... Either the Mexican scene where they're in the bathtub, he kind of gets saved. Uh, obviously, got to give a mention to the end scene as well. The kind of King Kong with nothing on me. Either of those two, I think, are my favourite ones. And honourable mention to the Roger scene. Any is, Has anyone ever been less perturbed by an attempted rape? By the fact she's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, she was like, well, I kind of got raped today. And it's like, well, that's quite a big thing. She just sat there on her bed. Kids these days, eh? MVP, Denzel, has to be. Yeah. That film is nothing without him. I'm going to go out on him and say that. There was a point when I felt you and Keenan were disrespecting Ethan Hawke early doors. I thought, do I have it in me to go out on a limb for Ethan Hawke here and declare him (laughs) the MVP? If you want to get worse, by Sean's definition, he probably is MVP. Well, no, because no, the day don't happen without Denzel. It's very quiet. Then Ethan Hawke, Ethan Hawke around. Yeah, but Denzel, Denzel has that day with, as he says, he's been planning it all week. Whoever steps in his shoes, in in Ethan Hawke's shoes, gets that day. Or maybe they go along they, with it, so he don't get that day. Ethan Hawke probably is just chilling out with the bird who's his partner if it's not for not for Denzel there must be 
at the point where Hoyt's walking away with the money, where he's just must just be having flashes of I could have killed him about eight times today if I really had <laughs> to. Yeah. He must he also it's not mentioned. How the fuck is he not more angry that those Mexicans have absolutely snaked them? He's paid them good good hard money just, yeah. just to finish him <laughs> off. And then they've kept, A, they've kept the money, and B, they've let him go. And C, they've not, they obviously haven't mentioned it because he's surprised as fuck when he bursts through the door. It must have been a, a great day, um, a great laugh watching the scene where uh, Denzel's getting shot. Because without that actually happening, watching him just riding around on the car... <laughs> I don't know how you film how you film that with a straight face. Shall we get on to the judging? Yes, it's judgment time. Keenan, go to you first. Which did you prefer? Training day. Sean. Training day. Jack. I'm going training day. Full house. Sean, are you sticking with your earlier assertion that Mission Impossible was more rewatchable? I am correct. Yeah. Jack, what about you? I'm going Mission Impossible. Keenan? It's training day, mate. Strongly agree. Sean, best quote? Training day. I mean, you can see we've quoted pretty much the whole <laughs> film anyway. Keenan? It, it is training day. Do, you, uh, do, I, have, do I have to pick one? Because they, they were, we're what, like about what, 15 minutes. What came to your head first? It's, I'm surgical with this motherfucker. Yeah. <laughs> Genuinely, <laughs> it's what came to my head. Um, That's what I thought it would be. Um, Jack, yeah. what about you? Yeah, training day. King Kong ain't got nothing on me. Um, that's also my best moment slash scenes. So I'll get that out of the way there. Keenan, what about you? Ro- Roger's death. Sean. Uh, the the cafe scene. And Jack. Um, I'm going to go for the Halo jump in Mission Impossible is my favourite scene um, Keenan who's your MVP? Denzel Sean Ethan Hunt Jack I'm going Ethan Hunt as well Christ. Keenan what are we going to do with these two honestly <laughs> fucking honestly <laughs> hey, he the degree of difficulty Ethan Hunt does more to save the world than and realistically speaking... Denzel's just having a normal day, really. Yeah, it? that's Denzel's normal day, and he ends up dying at the end of it. Well, I mean, it's not a normal day, is it? Well, you know what? I don't want to just jump back a day, but we had this exact same conversation, and Sean and Jack were both on the opposite side of the scale last week for Enemy of the State against Edgeard tomorrow. So yeah. I don't know what to believe here, because the world no, was ending there. I don't know. Yeah, this Look, is true. Yeah, the the issue there is that Tom Tom uh, Cruise died hundreds of times. That one had a lot more help. You know, and tomorrow. He, he died hundreds and hundreds of times as well. Daniel, when it comes to the crunch, gets no help. Where are his boys from his squad? By the way, as if he's rolling solo, poor from them, poor partner. Well, exactly. His his boys don't turn up for him, then he dies. So shows the problem. Exactly. I mean, I'm. To be fair, there's only like three of them, and one of them's got, like fucking close to being mortally wounded, so they aren't yeah. doing a lot against against those <laughs> Russians. But Dre's Denzel. going after Snoop. Yeah, Keenan <laughs> strongly agree. Um, Keenan, most menacing villain. See, because of how much I love Denzel in this film, I actually can't give it to him. 
Because to me, I know he, I know he's the bad guy, but I don't watch it. I don't watch this film with him being the villain in my mind. That's how much appreciation I've got for the character and how much I fucking like him. So it's uh, it's Shaman Solomon from Mission Impossible. Sean, yeah, Solomon. Not the NSA last week. Still, still. I agree about that. I agree. So, yeah. so no, Solomon Lane is uh, is my pick. Last week, we all we all said we preferred uh, one film, and the other got it. But I'm just uh, your consistency, Sean, is. Uh, well, I imagine what your grade well, would be like films. if you were to make some different films. No, Jordan, I don't giving... want to go all the way back there, but you literally, in the end of year awards, in the end of season one awards, voted one for best ending of the entire season and then voted against it when it came to the judging of that particular episode. Yeah, there's, lo- there's still logic there. How is there logic there? You just have to look a bit further. You have to look, peel back a few layers. Method in the mouth. I, yeah. I agree. Solomon Lane is, is the most menacing villain here. Um, what is trying to win the world? Um, one is just, Denzel. Denzel's just, really just trying to get a meal to save his life. <laughs> um, Jack, what about you? Yeah, Solomon. Keenan, best side character. Um, for me, it is the White Widow in Mission Impossible. Big fun. I'll bet you are. Okay, <laughs> right Sean. Best uh, side character. My boy Benji. Mission Impossible. Thought he was in it quite a lot. He would be up there. Jack. <laughs> yeah, I'm going Benji. I just love him in everything that he's in. Simon Pegg. Even Sean of the Dead. I love Sean of the Dead. I love it. <laughs> One of my favourite films. Keenan thinks he's Keenan. dog. I agree, just not to the same extent as Keenan. Because I, I still prefer get it to hot, hot fuzz is worse. We do disagree. Keenan, action per minute. Mission impossible. Sean? Mission impossible. Jack? Same here. I agree. Um, kill count, we said, goes in the favour of Mission Impossible, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Three to two. That's... Like, that's, 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 that's so debatable. Your volume, Jack, is doing an AJ all week today. Keeps catching me off guard. Um, most creative use of weaponry. Now, here, and you can tell me if it's uh, out of order. I went for the PCP, which <laughs> is used as a weapon almost as much down the line as it is in the moment, but. The creative way in which he does it, I figured, was more creative than Mission Impossible, which is just uh, the most creative was probably the briefcase being smacked around the guy's head, which yeah. isn't as creative. I don't know what else you do with a briefcase in that situation. Well, I, so. I, I think my most creative use of a weapon was sink U-Bend in the bathroom fight. Yeah, you make a good point. Yeah, it it pulls it just whacking someone with a with a I know, but he's pulled it out of the wall to use as a weapon. I think that's pretty creative. It is creative, yeah. yeah. Bad plumbing in that regard. <laughs> yeah, it is. But you've got sinks that people can drown in, but the pipes, no, they come straight out. Um, Sean, what's your pick? Uh, Mission Impossible. Keenan? I'm going to give it to the rotating shotgun under the bed. That's yeah. fucking ingenious. Good shout, actually. Just, uh, still in. Keenan, best soundtrack? Training, though. Sean? Mission Impossible. Mission Impossible? 
Yeah, it's one of the most iconic soundtracks. That's so there disrespectful is. to Still Dre. Well, Still yeah. Dre is, is amazing, but in terms of an actual soundtrack... Yeah, I, I think it's training day. Sean, let me talk you through this soundtrack for uh, it's just gonna do the exact training same day. Still Dre. No, no, just some of it um, overlooked. Watch the Police by Trick Daddy. You've got Last Resort by Papa Roach you snuck into this film. You've got MOP in there. You've got Gangstar. You've got Left to the President by Tupac. P. Diddy, Cypress Hill. As far as soundtracks go, I think it's the best of the bracket so far. Pardon? Put it on me also there as well. Yep. There's there's plenty in this. Notice there's no uh, biggie after the rumours, but there is Tupac. Subtle shots mm. from uh, Beyond the Grave. Um, Keenan, originality. Training day. Uh, yes, because we've already made the point that this is essentially action. Mission Impossible is essentially action movie 101. And it's just that it's, it's done it's there, very well. Yeah, it is done very well. But it is action movie 101. So training day. Yeah, I, I agree for, for the same reasons. And I think the reason we love this Mission Impossible film and haven't really had a bad word to say about it is the fact that it does all of the classic action films like if you have the checklist then it ticks every box and then add a helicopter chase into it as well the thing is though I'm going to go out on a limb again and say that Halo jump was the first time it's ever been recorded on camera and he did it himself and that I think that is so original like to one the actor the lead actor to do it himself and even just think about um, getting it captured on film, the fact that he's jumped 106 times to make this shot and practice in air chambers, I've, I've got to give it to Mission Impossible for me. So when Fair. this um, film first came out, um, there was a bit of backlash at the fact that Denzel was going to be the bad guy, so to speak. And it's the main reason that he took the role was so that he could show that he could do something a bit different. And then you look at some of the roles he's gone on to do since even when he's a good guy he kind of is a bad guy <laughs> in a lot of these so as a uh, character uh, alfonso one is one of like just is actually just so original like you do get like they say you do get corrupt cops but like genuinely just to the extent and how he does it that is true it's just so so good he probably doesn't get american gangster without doing training day Yes, I would. I would say that. And that well kind of role. Then there's Safe House, where it's kind of similar, good guy but a bad guy. The Equalizer, yeah. which we're going to do next week, and several others. And it still shakes me every time yeah. I go on his IMDb, and he's doing Macbeth at the moment as Lord Macbeth. Yeah, I, I actually hope that they release a recording of that because I'd love to see it. Did we find a way to squeeze Inside Man into the? No, but I have watched it recently. Very good. Yeah, a bit of Clive Owen in there. Mm. Uh, Sean, Sean, what do you uh, think Mission, for originality? Mission Impossible for me. But again, I didn't, I didn't... It's not like outstandingly picking that. I just didn't really... Didn't really think either were that original. Um, Keenan, bigger impact? Probably Mission Impossible. As part of a whole and on its own, because if that doesn't make the 600 million more than Training Day makes, do they have fucking two films in post-production already? And so on. I agree in that part. The training day for me when I went for that the biggest impact was more that I felt if if I asked Culturally. more people 
if I'd see if they'd seen Training Day, then they'd say yes. Then if they'd seen specifically Mission Impossible <laughs> Fallout, consistencies are changing. That's not consistently changing. I I do I do culturally yes, but if when we talk because we obviously you, you we have mentioned this before we do take into account the money and so on. Yeah, for um, sure. I think I think Mission Impossible probably just edges it for me personally. Uh, Jack. It's a tough one because Trailing Day is one of those films. I know I haven't seen it, but it's always one of those ones that I need to get round to seeing. Um, whereas Mission Impossible, they can all merge into one. It's a bit like Fast and Furious, where like, it's in Mission Impossible, yeah, which one? And you describe like a stunt, it's like that could be any of them. Um, I'm still going to give it to Mission Impossible for me, just because I think more people will have seen it because it caters to more viewers whereas training day is kind of like specific in, in a sense that it is dark it's not family viewing whereas mission impossible is there was a load of reviews again for um, training day where they say like this is not for kids as if like there was any illusion <laughs> that this was for kids i don't know why it's put into the reviews every single time there was one of them that said with mission impossible um it was like as much as I enjoyed the film, if you asked me next week to tell you about it, I couldn't tell you anything. But I thought there's enough high spots in Mission Impossible that it's not very forgettable in a sense. Even if you don't remember the intricate parts, you're still going to remember enough of it. So critics doing critics things. Um, Keenan, which ending did you prefer? Training Day. I know I said I'd like this. I'd like the scene, but the ending you have to include the King the King Kong speech, and that's unreal. <laughs> And I also like the Joe as he as he says to him, he says about being survived by his, his wife and daughter, and you yeah. get the little voice voiceover of that as well. Newscaster, and it's mm-hmm. exactly what he says to Ethan earlier, isn't it? Where yeah, that's it. He does the yeah. Mine mine was training day mainly, as I said, and it was my criticism of um, the fugitive. I hate it when the the bad guy, you don't see them kind of get their indication and you see what happens to them and I think I don't know if it's, if he's going to be in the other ones but you don't see kind of the demise of Solomon Lane in this one so unless they're dragging him out for a third one them just kind of saying that he was handed over to uh, MI6 or whatever it is it's one of those like, note. He's, he's such a good villain you don't really want to get rid of him because you give Ethan Hunt a nemesis, don't you? It's the only one that had been in two at that stage when exactly. it's to Mission Impossible villains. It's like the Joker with Batman, like you put him away and you bring him out for another film down the line. Um, Sean, which ending did you prefer? Uh, training Day for me. And Jack? I actually went Mission Impossible. Like I said, I got that. Got hot, saw it, I was like, oh my God, had to my jumper off, that helicopter chase, <laughs> that fight in the fuselage of both Tom Cruise got you a bit hot, did he? Yeah, it did. It did. In every single way, and I'm not ashamed to admit it. So, yeah, Mission Impossible. Um, chemistry is the final one. Um, I know some thoughts on uh, Ethan Hawke here. I don't think you get Denzel's performance here without the foil in uh, Ethan Hawke. That's my best supporting actor. So, the uh, Oscars saluted him and I think between them, I thought it was the, the perfect pairing 
in there. Maybe we'll do that in uh, the wards, the best kind of double act. But yeah, chemistry, I've gone uh, training day. What about you, Sean? Uh, I've gone. <laughs> this is really tough. I've gone uh, Miss Impossible. Uh, based on that, that whole gang, uh, obviously Ethan and Benji and and everyone else that's that's involved. Uh, Keenan. Um. Yeah, I, I, it's, yeah, I, I, it is. Oh, sorry, I can barely talk. Um, very difficult question because those two, Denzel and Ethan Hawke, play with each other very well in the moments where they are on side and they play against each other even better. So I, but I do agree with Sean. I do actually like the whole team. Ving Rhames, by the way, not been mentioned enough on this podcast today. Um, he hasn't. He actually hasn't. I can't believe we're at this point of the pod by the time we're giving Ving, Ving Rhames his props. Um, I mentioned him. Very briefly. We mentioned I said him he was lucky Tom Cruise's mate. I'm sure there are a lot of people who feel that way. Um, just edge it to the training day, but very, very close. And Jack? I've got Mission Impossible for the same reason that gang think the quips they have diffusing the bomb radio chat they're just yeah I think you're so used to seeing it it's just seamless on screen okay yeah I'll see let me just tally this up Very what did you go for on that oh you went for you went for, yeah okay yeah. sure okay so it was a tie it was uh, five five with Sheesh the W going to training day and uh, which we preferred overall so training day. Uh, yeah I think it is we've, the closest we've had was I think it's been split by one in the others which it would have been done there if it wasn't a tie on the final one so just see now whether it goes through to face so that will go through on its own to face the winner of Die Hard with a Vengeance against the Equalizer. So it could be Denzel against Denzel in <laughs> the next round. And so if it was the other, it could have been Tom Cruise against Tom Cruise in the quarterfinals if that had gone through with Edge of Tomorrow. But that does just make it through. So 6 5 if you count the tiebreaker. Um, just getting to half time. So, Sean, I don't know if you still want to bounce or if you want to do. The other categories, and then you'll be ready for the second half. Real yeah. star of the film. This was probably the, the, the perfect one for the category, isn't it? In the fact that Ethan Hawke has more screen time, but no one's really under any illusion who the real star of Training Day is. Mm. And then Mission Impossible, it's fairly clear cut, isn't it? Who the real star is in that sense. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> I think this is the longest anyone in Gloucester has gone mentioning Simon Pegg without saying that he's from Brockworth. <laughs> I should probably be proud of that if I liked 90% of his films. There we go. Fan theories. There was nothing there with these ones, but we do have the sequels come in, at least two more for Mission Impossible, and we do have the prequel coming for uh, Training Day, so we'll see how that plays out. Interesting, they've chosen the... Uh, Rodney King riots is the setting for that. Because mm. you'd imagine then probably something's going to happen where Denzel's going to have to, his character has to make a choice and that's going to send him down the wrong path, you'd assume. 
Very um, possibly. Recasting one role. Um, Jack, do you have that without David Spade or is uh, <coughs> is David Spade going <laughs> to Mission Impossible on trading day? I don't know. And I don't think Jim Carrey can do it either because those are my two go-tos. Um, I mean, I'm going to chuck David Spade into training day because I think him as is Jake would... Uh, I reckon that would be quite interesting to watch. I would pay money to see that. Like when, he, when he's getting beaten up by like that would be hilarious. Who? When he's getting beaten up by those two crackers. Oh, crackers. <laughs> yeah. He's getting beaten up by them. I reckon that'd be hilarious to watch David Spade in that situation. Is your recasting for Ethan Hawke, Keenan? Yeah, I, genuinely. I, I actually, now that I've said it, I really like the thought of Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Ooh, talking so of you Jake take Jake Gyllenhaal in that over uh, Mark Damon? Yeah, I do. Me and Sean did talk about... Um, End of watch as a potential wild card, but I was just going to say his so sentiments that it's a lot to go through again. I couldn't I that put, that would be too much. I couldn't put my couldn't put my mind to the name of the film. I was just going to refer to it as the film with Michael Peña in it. I cried real tears at that. Very emotional that ended. Great film, Anna Kendrick. Jeez, wouldn't it taken Sean long to step into that widow's role? I'm telling you. <laughs> He just swooped right in, right under uh, his nose, wouldn't you, Sean? Yeah. You can say that with chest. Recasting, I mean, if, if if we're going light for light, then, and if the director's got this sway, I might just, sorry, send but, Jessica so, Elber in over two, Eva Mendes. Sorry, by two seconds. You watching this game, Sean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Been coming. Bye-bye. Side, but you expect it from Liverpool. See, Senor. Yeah, Keenan. If you want to make a commitment now, you can uh, be on Monday's podcast if uh, if you wish. Uh, I mean, I can do Monday's pod. That's not a problem at all. I think we do have Goff on Monday as well, but obviously we don't have Sean, so you'd have Alex to gloat at. But Sean will be on later for the Super Bowl preview. Um, I do a recast on Mission Impossible, huh? So as you say, we all prepare for my guy Bruce Arians to win a Super Bowl ring. We'll get into that on Monday. Cast, if would I do a recast in for Mission Impossible? I can see the face that I want. Maybe I bring Britney Spears back to prominence and she plays the White Widow. <laughs> she needs a break. She needs a she needs a break. Hashtag free Britney. Exactly. Has she, she ever acted? Hey, she's done a film. Do you not remember that song she did? I'm not a girl. Not, I'm a girl, not yet a woman. Or I'm not a girl, not yet a woman. Either way, she was in that film. I've not seen it. I heard it was horrendous, but she's done <laughs> some acting. And you forget okay. her sister was Zoe 101. Don't know what that is. You clearly didn't have enough Nickelodeon on in your household. Come on, boys. Adios. He sounds so defeated. It's only half time, Sean. Calm down. I've got to shoot two boys. I'll catch you later. Oh. Oh, Keenan, we'll pick up the slack, man. <laughs> okay. I've got the game on mute, so I mean, I'm good to go whenever. <laughs> we, we can do this for the rest of the evening. <laughs> what is wrong with those boys? Why Sean so upset? <laughs> uh, the goal is the not fantastic, is it? But... <laughs> um, he has been giving it big licks as well in our chat, so 
that. He deserves that. If the cast swapped, which film works best? I would. Tom, who do you want as Ethan Hawke out of uh, out of Mission Impossible? Because Simon Pegg ain't got he ain't got it in him, <laughs> and Henry Cavill. You don't believe that he's you don't believe he's a rookie. The guy is a fucking Adonis. He sits in your car. You know, you know he's got stats, and you know he's got some yeah. Work Superman isn't a rookie. No, exactly. You know he's got some work, work in him. Um, Denzel is he is he Ethan Hunt? I watch watch that all day. I pick. I I can see Denzel as Ethan Hunt more than I can see Tom Cruise as Alonzo. I don't. Think, Tom Cruise is an asshole, but or plays an asshole well. Tropic Thunder. Yeah, but not an evil one. Just plays like no. an arrogant, like Denzel in that film is evil. Like he set that poor kid up to do or die, like before from the start. Been planning this all week. Well, it is do or die, baby. Another, um, uh, uh, well, another week for the next question. Where if you had to add Tom Cruise or The Rock to this movie, it's fairly cut and dried. Yeah, uh, the the Rock. Where, he can step into fit? Terry Crews' role. Uh, but you want him in there doing something proper. To shape Cruz, uncredited by the way. Seems yeah, seems no, madness now. Yeah. He's an absolute star. The um, fact he's uncredited, do we take an executive decision and put him in the wreck, Ryan? I thought he was going in. It is uncredited, so I do feel like there's no arguments that can be made. And Sean and Jack both lost their right to veto when they did leave the chat. So I would put I would put Cryptarian all day. He's only. I know it's normally a one-scene deal, but he has less words to say. I think he is actually only in the one scene. He only appears in the last bit. He's not in there earlier. No, he does pop up. He does pop up, but like briefly, you get a flash of him. Um, he's in that end scene. He actually doesn't yeah. say anything. Dre has Dre has far more involvement in the film than he does. Do you know um, a lot of um, the people in those scenes are actually gang members? Like they spoke the to all of like, the gang members before. And basically said like, if they help them out making it realistic, then they could be in the film. So, oh, sweet. There's a lot of gang members. You get that though, don't you? Like you get in Goodfellas, there's X amount. They use some proper edits, and so they did in The Godfather, just to add a bit of realism. Like The Sopranos, they had a couple of people pop in, didn't they? Yeah. Um, in certain episodes and stuff, it's just um. You mentioned Ben Kingsley earlier. He also appears in The Sopranos. I haven't got that far. Still need to. I do he's, need to get back and watch it. He's in there as himself, so. Oh. Um, you want to put that mafia money to making a film? Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and that was that was it actually. Rex Ryan Hall of Fame inductees is the last little section there. Um, well, there's nothing for the Leslie man. Every woman that's in it is just yeah. in both films. It's just yeah. spice. And it'll be your first time watching The Equalizer next week. Mm, yeah. I've, very, I've heard such good things, but I've been let down a couple of times in this bracket by this. I'm hoping it. I'm hoping it won't be. I don't want to say what films let me down because you won't like it. But I know exactly which films. Good. Thank you. That's fine. Um, I so I am looking forward. To... Dread. Yep. Taken. Yeah. Crank. Taken, I've seen a million times before, so I wasn't let. I was let down by it rewatching it, but not because I hadn't seen it. Crank. God almighty, oh I forgot that was even a thing. God, that was so bad. Disrespectful. <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, I'm looking forward to it. Hey. What have we got with it? Die Hard 3. Oh, boy. I cannot wait to watch Die Hard 3 again. What a film. 
Simon says. Simon says, what a bad guy. We'll let uh, we'll let Sean quote the billboard. I'm not that brave. No, that will we'll have to get a mention though, unfortunately. Denzel, if we look, Dude. so Denzel could go through next week against Dial with a Vengeance. He's gone through this week against Mission Impossible. You've yeah. got he's gone through with um, Man on Fire as well. So he could have a couple of appearances. He could have a couple of horses in the race. Um, yeah, it would be interesting. It must be said. It would be very interesting. Training day um, probably top three for me in this bracket, so. Oh, mate, all day, all day. All day. Um, Maybe we'll do that at the end. We'll do our top five. Yeah. But, Training day, I'll pull it out there now, depending on what we come up with for the second round, because we're probably not a million miles away from having to start thinking about it, are we, actually? It'll be Diard or the Equalizer in the next round. Yeah, no, when it's in the same it. portion as um, then it would be the winner of Terminator 2 Age of Tomorrow yeah I know what I mean is depending on in terms of training day depending on the categories we find for the second round oh yeah we, um, we it could make it it could go all the way you heard it here first we'll see how we go but thank you again for listening to another edition of Movie Madness we'll be back next week if uh, Sean's recovered he didn't seem uh, too chirpy there and uh, we still have the mystery as to what Jack does have to escape away for every Thursday evening. So we'll be back. Adios. Keenan can listen back to the start of this from my Denzel acting. And everyone else, go back now and give it another listen and put me forward for the Oscar. But we'll be back. Goodbye.